Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Friday in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Kids, we're back on the YouTube. Yeah! We are back, baby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This feels weird, right? Yeah, we're back on the screen. It's just so cool. I'm, I'm just, see I'm, our face. I'm thrilled. <laughs> yeah. thrilled. Yes. So all you need to do, if you want to hear us and see us, is go to youtube.com, www.youtube.com, and then type in 101 ESPN STL, and it'll say something to the effect of... Uh, the opening drive live, and you just click on that, and you'll be able to see our face. Hey, that's your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? There we go. <laughs> we're not we're not pretending to be somebody we're anymore. Is anymore. that what happened? We Did, were impersonating. Was there any explanation as to who we were impersonating, or what was the reason why we got this taken away for us? I'm sticking that we were impersonating a quality program. <laughs> okay, I can see I, one. One may see that. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we're back on the YouTube, and you know it, it sucks because I don't know about you guys, but my evening gown I've been wearing is at the dry cleaners, and so it just conveniently it's the weekend. You know, I had to go send it out for so, that. So, Brooke, today is Friday, so it's yeah. game day. So I actually wore my coach's gear and took off my 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 suit that I've been wearing, my my couple of suits that yeah. I've worn. It, it's it's amazing how we talked about it that that this would happen in this manner. It just would be the off day that we would not be prepared, be. and here, you all missed. Our lovely attire for the last yeah. week and a half, and yeah, I, I've been wearing a tux as you guys know every single day. Yeah, did you, you guys enjoy shirt on today? Did you, so you're, you're, you're good. Uh, among the tuxes, did you enjoy the pink one or the purple one more? Uh, so it was the, the the blue one, the baby blue one that oh, you wore. Yeah. That it's was so, like oh, it's classic. It just reminded me of Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. It was yeah. it was delightful, it, but it was Thank more you. sophisticated than yeah. that. You know, he was a clown. You were you were looking I was trying great. To be serious. Yeah. I, I was I favored the pink. Oh, okay. yes, yes. Oh, the pink was, nice. the pink was great, pictures. but I think the baby blue, too. It was stunning. And now with the Blues playing a game tomorrow, I've worn a Blues polo today. Mm, very uh, nice. Hashtag LGB, Blues and Coyotes tomorrow pregame at noon here on 101 ESPN. So that will be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Why are you laughing, CD? <laughs> Just laughing when I'm looking at yep. what's going on on the screen. So, <laughs> normally, normally at this time, we would uh, be talking about Cardinal highlights for you. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> have to? The, the Cardinals lost 6 nothing yesterday, 6 nil at the ballpark to the Milwaukee Brewers. So, yeah, uh, not a whole lot to, to talk about. Here's the thing, though, and I, I think we, we haven't stressed this enough. Uh, and by the way, the Cardinals are pretty close to being mathematically eliminated from b- being in fourth. They, they're almost uh, assured of finishing in last place. They're five games behind the Pirates now. Oh, oh! <laughs> so uh, they're they're sixty seven and eighty six. They've got a pretty good chance to not lose a hundred games. Well, that's well, or, or ninety for that matter. Well, no, they're going to lose ninety. Are we doing sunshine and lollipops now? Yeah, yeah. So, no, 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 no. no. So no, we can't no. play that. So uh, seventy two. If, if they go, I know they aren't going five and four, are they? In their last nine. No, they probably, probably they not. got a chance to lose 
four games. So they're going 72 and 90. So 70 and 92? Four, four more wins? Or three more wins? No. They got nine <laughs> games left, correct? Yeah. Okay, three and six. Okay. Three and six. You said no. Well, especially I don't know. if they are playing like how they've been a little bit lately. Guys, I'm a tad bit concerned about Miles Michaelis. Don't concern yourself. A tad bit concerned? I know, and I think that I became even more concerned after he said that (laughs) next year, he said, you know, Uh, I go have a good year, I have a bad year. This is a bad year. Next year, uh, bet on me. I don't know how to feel about that, considering that there's so many question marks with the starting rotation. I want to have at least one sure thing or two. I don't want to cast aspersions, but my sense is that Miles Michaelis cares as much as I do right now about the results of his team. That's that's probably fair. <laughs> Count down the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying okay, can we get to seventy wins? Uh, probably no. Man, so that's uh, that's probably where those guys are. So especially in that sixth inning where everything just fell apart. He yeah. gave up four runs, and that three-run homer was just bad. I know that we've talked about the Cardinals' offense being really reliant on the home run, but what about the pitching also being susceptible to the home run this season? Yeah, it has been. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if in a situation like that one, I think that's a perfect illustration. Like, Carrie, your son plays sports. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, especially if there's one team that's better than the other, you can see the team that's losing essentially say, oh, to hell with this. And just kind of quit, right? Yes. And I oh, think, yeah. I think that, Miles, this, this kind of happened, and it's... Uh, yeah, it started spiraling, and it's not oh, hell with this. I, I have I have one follow up question though. How much does your son make playing the sports that he yeah, likes well, he to play? Doesn't, he doesn't get paid anything. Oh, but that oh, doesn't okay. matter. That doesn't matter. I'm just saying, if you're getting paid quite a bit of money, I think well, that some people expect you to perform a little bit better, a little bit, because it is on the players to go out there and perform and execute what they need to. Those are special players. Okay. They really are. When you're out of the race and you're in the sixth month and you have ten games left. Most guys check out. Yeah. Now, there there are guys that never, Pete Rose, and he, his teams were always in it, but there are guys that never slow down and will play out. Tyler O'Neill is going to play out every single play that he plays, 100%. All six or seven of them. <laughs> uh, but so, some guys, <laughs> why, why, why are we laughing? I mean, I'm, ta- I'm saying he hustles. Well, it, uh, <laughs> Hustles debatable. a little too hard? Maybe? Uh, so, I don't know. I... I I can just say this from my standpoint. I would probably check out just like Miles Michaelis has. I guess so. Or it's just I think that he has. I, I, I hear you on that. I guess it's just the fact that when you have so many questions when it comes to pitching mm-hmm. for next season, I think that that's an area that's still being evaluated yeah. when Mosellock's looking at how many starting pitchers he needs to go out and get next season. If Miles Michaelis is having this significant of a drop-off, and I get it's the second half, mm-hmm. we already knew where they're at, but when you're trying to figure out the pieces of the puzzle for the starting rotation next season, I at least need to know who's going to be where right. and which other pieces I need to go out to get. Because if there's anything that I've seen lately from the starting pitching is it's confirmation that you really do need to get three starting pitchers. Absolutely, Brooke. There's no doubt about it. You do. But, yeah, I, I just want to point out that Andrew Suarez is not making it into the Holy Trinity. Go ahead. <laughs> He, he, it's definitive now. Yeah, it, it, it was questionable before, but now. Yeah, I mean, we are, we are firm in we, that we are decision firm at this with point. Pallante, with Ver- Ver- Chris Vonderhaar, okay. oh. and of course, uh, Selah. Okay. Of course. Um, uh, we definitely have that. I, my concern, and mm-hmm. I, I will, I have said it, I have stated it time and time again, 
yes, they need help, both in the starting rotation and relievers. Where does that help come from? Mm-hmm. Outside of the organization, do you come from? Does it come from inside of the organization? We don't know what McGreevy or Graceffo are going to be. We don't know what a couple of these guys, Takoa Roby, that they that they uh, traded for. We don't know what those guys are going to be. We don't know if they're going to go out and sign or trade for a Dylan Cease or if they're going to try to sign a Blake Snell. You have no idea yeah. what is going to happen, but you know something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It it. There needs to be a level of competition when they get to spring training because competition breeds the best players on the field. When you have to fight for your spot, and maybe when you talk about the World Baseball Classic, maybe that did have an impact on it because there was not a lot of competition. There was not a lot of guys pushing one another. It was kind of set in stone. These guys are at the World Baseball Classic. They're going to be on the roster when they return, and there's no need to compete or fight for a roster spot because – you know your role when they return. Maybe that did weigh heavily on what took place in spring training. Come 2024, when they get down to, to, to Florida, they need to have a real competition for pretty much all of those starting positions mm-hmm. to see who's the ace, who's the fifth guy, who's not in that rotation, and who's in the bullpen, and who is not here at all. Yes. And if they don't have that, they will not be a good team. This has not been great to watch. It's been frustrating. No, it's been hard. it's been terrible. And it's been repetitive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that is the most, I guess, the worst part of it all is is it's happening over and over and over again. And it's like at some point, you know, let, let, let's figure out how to fix it. Please. <laughs> Please do it. Do it now. Some people text it in and it's interesting because two texts said this. Maybe they're pitching bad or Michaelis is dodging it on purpose so that they sign more rotation. Help. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> so we, what we, about that theory? Yeah, we're just going to go out there and stink it up so we can't. Listen, I, I can tell you that's not what. Because <laughs> the rotation might be you not in it. So you, you, you wanna, rotate yourself you out. You rotate yourself right on out of it. You, you better figure it out. Everyone needs to have their hair on fire in 2024 Mm -hmm. when it comes time to trying to make this team, trying to earn a spot in the bullpen, trying to earn a spot in the starting rotation. If you don't have that fire, that mindset going into spring training, you you probably should move on. And that Mm -hmm. should be the Cardinals' philosophy as well. If you don't come into into this offseason with your hair on fire, ready to to compete, Mm -hmm. we probably don't need you. Meanwhile, the Flash from San Francisco. Apparently official. The 49ers are really good. They are. Wow. They are really good. good. I Uh, am shocked. Well, they got everything. I mean, Purdy is a stud. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is great. 18 carries for 85 yards. Debo Samuel, six catches for 129 and a score last night. George Kittle, seven for 90. McCaffrey catches five for 34. Uh, Purdy, 25 of 37, a couple of touchdowns, no picks, a passer rating of 111.3. And the Giants are compromised and just not that good. But the San Francisco 49ers have 30 points in each of their first three games, 30 exactly. And they're just workmanlike, and they just they bludgeon you. They, they steamroll you. It's an unfortunate scenario when you have to play the 49ers. It's life, Mm -hmm. and they are going to line it up, strap it up. They got a very good offensive line. They're going to run the ball at Mm -hmm. you. They're going to play action fake, and then they got guys that when you throw them a a six-yard slant, they can turn it into a 25-yard run because they are strong, they are fast, they are big enough to to break tackles. Debo Samuel was looking like a man out there, Mm -hmm. a man amongst men who no one could stop him. And so – and, and Brandon Ayuk didn't even play. He was out for last night's game. Right. So they got a lot of talent that throughout that entire offense, but defensively, That's they scary. 
play ball. They get after the quarterback. They are fun. They are a fun team to watch. They really are. And with Brock Purdy, honestly, I didn't know what to expect going into him, but he has so many playmakers around him where even where you saw in that first half, it was a little bit, just a little clunky for him early on where there was some few moments that could have been an interception possibly, but he has so many playmakers available. Even Ronnie Bell, too, with a great game. But you have George Kittle, you have Christian McCaffrey, you have Debo Samuel. I mean, there's so many playmakers around him where even when he has those moments, he's able to compose himself, and he did that in the second half. And he's not even making that much money. The, this whole formula that the 49ers have, you have a lot of stars, but Brock Purdy's like making 870000 this yep. year. And it's just, it's so different than what you're seeing in the rest of the NFL it's right now. It's one of the all-time great, and we talked about it last year, one of the all-time great unbelievable stories that a handsome quarterback wearing number 10 goes down with a leg injury and then a guy from Iowa wearing number 13 unheralded unheralded steps in and all he has to do is get the ball to his teammates and he does in spectacular fashion and that's You're not doing that comparison are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah both, that, both yeah. 13 yeah, yeah from Iowa we, yeah. We, we didn't figure out if he was working in a grocery store and that's the only difference stocking we, we, shelves yeah. Yeah. we have yeah. to find that we, out we have to figure out at any point was he stocking shelves and if so then we have our answer this is the recreation of of old Kurt Warner. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. He, but the thing about Brock Purdy that I love, he never looks worried. He yeah. never looks stressed out. He never. It's almost like he's the same regardless of the pressure that he's faced. He gets hit. He doesn't. It doesn't bother him. It's amazing to watch him play as a young quarterback in his second year and not have any stress it just looks mm-hmm. it looks comfortable for him he looks like this is where he belongs one other question before we get to Jed Stugart the head coach of the Lindenwood Lions coming up at our next segment Brooke a battle a battle between a hawk and a colt who wins <laughs> you're talking about the animals yes uh, the hawk the, the hawk frustrates the daylights out of the colt <laughs> pecks it bothers it and ultimately defeats the colt I think I'm gonna have to go with the hawk yeah, I think See so. See how that hawk grabbed that football? We're we're oh, going to they're intense. We, we go down and grab what we need and fly away. <laughs> I like this a lot. Yeah, yeah. He catches if you can. Uh, the Hawks at the Colts tonight <laughs> at, at Hazelwood Central at Parkway uh, Parkway Central. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a battle of the Centrals. Yes, that'll, that'll be, be a great. good one. It'll be a great one. Good. Really gonna get this offensive coordinator we got got to get his stuff together you hear me he is this guy what's that guy's name is carrie david he's oh. been stinking it up out there so All right, hopefully he, uh, we call plenty <laughs> but gonna dial gotta, it up tonight we got to figure some things out yeah. offensively nice. hopefully tonight is the night let's go met canada <laughs> oh. they would take him right now at any point carrie <laughs> Randy, and we're on the YouTube. Again, go to YouTube.com and just type in 101 ESPN STL. Coming up next, it's Lindenwood and Illinois State this weekend. And we're going to talk to the Lions head coach, Jed Stugart, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley and 
Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. If you didn't know, we're back on the YouTube today. You can just go to YouTube.com and type in 101 ESPN STL, and you can find us. My alma mater, the Lindenwood Lions, our Division One. After an impressive 43-40 win over Western Illinois last week in Macomb, Lions are going to visit the Redbirds of Illinois State tomorrow, and that game will be played at noon in Normal, Illinois. Coach Jed Stugart joins us. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Great to be on with you this morning. Hey, uh, I don't know why, but uh, some people thought that last week's victory at Western Illinois was somewhat unexpected. I fully expected that the Lions had come away with a victory, but it was a thriller. You had to enjoy the way that your team battled through that one. Well, that's because that's how we planned to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep everybody excited and into the game a little bit, and then, then we then we pounce, you know. But it's, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think it was – you know, a week ago we talked about just trying to figure out our team. You know, the big question was, was uh, you know, how are you going to respond after the week before? And and so um, I was still asking that question in the first quarter and in, in, in the <laughs> second quarter. But it was, uh, you know, the reality was is that halftime they just, uh, um, you know, I could tell at half just, uh, you know, our, the way our offense, defense was talking to each other at halftime, just kind of taking accountability and saying, hey, you know, we won't, we'll, you know that's on us. You know that's on us. And you know we, you know they, we put out a little plan uh, to start the second half, and they went out and executed. It was pretty cool. Good. Great way to come back and win. Coach, I was going to ask you that thirty-one to fourteen at halftime. How much conversation takes place from you? Was it all the young men speaking amongst themselves and kind of setting things straight, or did you all have to go in there and and really do some regame planning at halftime? No, you know what, um, Carrie is one of those things where you know we, you know, I, I remember it on on our team meeting that Sunday before, and then even on Friday in our walkthrough, I reminded them of what they've been averaging every quarter. And usually they have a pretty decent second quarter. And I, I just reminded us that, Hey, on average right now, you know, they've been scoring, you know, three and a half points a game in the third and four and a half points a game in the fourth. And, you know, and we get the ball back going in the second uh, half. If we go down and score, you guys will win this game. It's it just the doubt will creep in. They'll, we'll get the momentum and, you know that's exactly what our team did, and and you could kind of feel that momentum shift. And they, uh, but no, it was you know I just kind of lay out a few things that we got to kind of a fix in the first half that, you know, just the little self-inflicted wounds that you know stop doing that. And then you know they, you know they they knew exactly the things that they needed to do. It, again, it just came down it just came down to the the littlest of things that we didn't do the week before that we talked about. And they they started doing that, but you know our team grew up a lot. I told you this was going to be a re- really young team this year, and we've got um, some growing up to do. And I think that half, you know, I think uh, a lot of our guys kind of grew up and found out that hey, we can we can do this when we put our minds to it. And if we want to focus in on one area, a ten play, seventy five yard drive to win it with uh, just over a minute left, to me that would be the sort of thing that would really help a team grow up. Is not just overcoming the big deficit, but then doing so in the last minute of a game. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of those things where it's almost a gift. You know, it's kind of like you know, it's, hey, you know, great opportunity. You seized it. Um, there was a lot of confidence, even in the the timeouts. You know, you could just see in the huddle. You know, these guys uh, finally kind of believing in themselves. I keep telling them, you know, like we we believe in you. You guys got to start believing in yourselves when it comes to playing. Now, you know, now the big test is we. You know, the next step that I'm talking about is playing four quarters like that. It's kind of like you know the red Redbirds aren't the type of team. I don't think we can keep digging out of deficits at halftime all the time. We need to. 
we need to come in and, and we need to start fast. We need to kind of play consistent four quarters. And that's the next step because we haven't done that yet. Well, Coach, I wanted to ask you about the connection between Cole Duggar with a great game. He threw five touchdowns, four of which were to Jeff Caldwell. And for his performance, he was named the Big South OVC Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week. Just tell me about his progression, Caldwell's progression this season. Man, Jeff is, uh, you're not supposed to take a hitch route for a touchdown. That's, you know, that doesn't usually happen. And, you know, Jeff's got that kind of ability. I mean, th- threw it out there, made a couple of guys miss and go. And now, you know, it's a, Jeff's a great story when he got here to, uh, to Lindenwood, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, you talk about growing up and maturing and doing those things. Not a, wasn't immature in a bad way, just like, I think a lot of it just, believing in the type of player he can be, you know, and just really committed to, you know, sometimes when guys have a lot of natural robability, um, it hurts them because they don't feel like they got to work real hard. Everything comes natural. And I think Jeff has made a conscious decision to, to, uh, to start to work harder and do those things a year ago. Coach Havork has done a great job about coaching him. And you could just see that. And, you know, I always say you play like you practice and, and, you know, that's what Jeff's been doing. And so, you know, the personal inside story is what's special because a game like that doesn't surprise me about Jeff. You know, if if, a, if he's in the vicinity of a ball, he's going to come down with it and uh, has the potential to have a really nice season. Because that's the amazing thing about sports and, and football specifically. You can have a guy with all of the talent in the world, but if they don't have the confidence, it's really hard to pour it out, pull it out of them. How do you get them to understand, as you said, you all have all of the ability. You just got to go out there and do it. Yeah, I think you're, you're right, and that that can be a hard thing to do. But um, you know, uh, I I know that uh, even last year, you know, I think you know, Coach Aborka has done a great job with Jeff because, you know, um, number one, you know, I think Jeff found out early that just having a great, you know, just being a great receiver uh, doesn't mean you're going to get through practice very pleasant. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where, hey, you know, if you're not going to work hard, then you're going to go stand over there and you're not going to play. You know, and I think, you know, because we love you too much, we care about you, we believe in you too much to, to shortchange you like that. And I think, you know, so just patience and making him understand, like, hey, you know, being great just doesn't entitle you to play. And I think, you know, when uh, you saw that last spring where he started, it started clicking, like, and, you know, it's not, he wasn't a defiant kid. He's not a bad kid at all. He just, just, you know, probably hadn't been pushed a lot because he's always been the best guy on the court and on the field just because of his height and athleticism. And, and so give a lot of credit to Coach Havorka just drawing that out of him. And, uh, and he's, it's clicking because if he stays on this pace, he'll, this is a kid that can play on Sundays. Two more things for the Lindenwood Lions head coach, Jed Stugart. Number one, we've talked before about the move to Division One allowing you to open some doors from a recruiting standpoint. What's it like when you tell a kid about a game like last week and about the culture that you have developed at Lindenwood and how much fun it is and how much winning is going on? Does a win like last week make a difference in recruiting? I think so. I mean, I think people, you know, Randy, they see your, you know, because we're talking about our direction. You know, we talk about, you know, it's going to be, you know, it takes time. You know, there's potholes. There's things when you move up a level. And so when you see wins like that, I think it helps connect that. That's saying, hey, these are things that Coach has been talking about, that there's going to be uh, these type of wins and these, you know, we're headed that direction. And, you know, because I and I've often wondered, does wins and losses really help or hurt in the, in recruiting? You know, I, you know, I make cases for both of them. Um, but, 
you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I, I think it helps because, you know, you're matching up the things that you're telling, telling your recruits, you know, and so, you know, having and every game we win this year that we hope to win and keep winning, we are the underdog, you know, and so it's kind of like, you know, telling guys like, hey, these are, you know, first of all, we're, we're not expected to win. Everybody's saying we're going to lose, and then you pull off a win like this, it, it does help, no doubt. And then finally, and I know that you're focused on tomorrow in normal Illinois, but man, it's been a, a rugged three-game trip for you guys, and you finally get to come home next week. Yeah, we can't wait. You know, obviously, I'm I'm uh, I'm fired up to get there uh, to, tomorrow, and and uh, we leave today. I mean, but you know, uh, the game tomorrow. But yeah, how fun will it be to finally uh, be able to get through this weekend and and uh, hopefully come back with a good success and come in to, you know, finally come back home, play in front of our fans. So, um, but we gotta, we gotta get through this one. And, and uh, I think our guys are dialed in to give it our best effort. Jed Sugard on behalf of all Lindenwood alums, we're with you winter tie. Good luck tomorrow. We'll see you next week. That's uh, Jed Stugart, the head coach at Lindenwood on 101 ESPN. Yeah, we're with you winter time. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk some golf with our buddy Jay Delsing, the Ryder Cup right around the corner. And it's always interesting and it's always fun to talk about that. And it's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. And next week, it's the Ryder Cup. It will be played in Italy at the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. Joining us this morning, as he does every Friday morning here on 101 ESPN, is Jay Delsing, host of Golf with Jay Delsing, Sunday mornings 8 to 10 here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Mr. Delsing. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. What does it mean when Coach Stugart talks about after their loss, you know, they regrouped and rallied the troops, and I slept the entire week after Ascension. I think, I think, I, I think our trains were heading opposite directions. I'm not sure. Uh, okay, my question: When you were sleeping, were you in the fetal position? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. There was a little a little rigor set in in a couple of times, and I, and I think I think someone threw a towel in. 
Thank you. This thing's over. It's over. Okay, yeah, that's you aren't in regroup mode yet, Jay. You're just in. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, I'm still in full blown surrender mode. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Hey, do you look for this uh, Ryder Cup that is played next week in Italy? Is this going to be competitive? I, I look at the teams and I, and I see no reason why it should not be a really compelling four days of golf. Oh, I really think it will be. They they always are. I mean, if you look at, I, I mean, I'm more concerned about the U.S. team than I am the the Euros. I got to get together with Colin Montgomery at uh, the week of the Ascension, and I promised put on a great function, and I got to interview him, and he was trying to convince me that the Euros are a huge underdog because of their rookies and things like that, and. I'm just not buying it. The, the European squad does a great job of picking golf courses that suit their teams extremely well. Their players, Randy, and I think this is the biggest thing, their players have played probably 30 to 40 rounds of golf at, um, at, at there in Rome. And, man, our, our U.S. team has probably, hasn't played more than three. There's a, there's a, when you get that familiarity with a golf course, I think that's a huge advantage. Well, Jay, I wanted to ask you about Parkway Central alum Michael Block earning another, uh, earning a spot in another PGA Tour event. What do you have to say about his play? And it was obviously a stunning show recently that he was able to do. But what do you think about the local legend story just continuing to grow? Brooke, what he did at, at um, Oak Hill's impossible. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for, for club pros. It's not that... These guys, you know, aren't necessarily good. They just don't, at that level, they just don't play um, an event with that kind of competition very often. I mean, th- th- to do what he did with Rory McIlroy, the hole in one, the whole thing, I mean, it's a scripted movie. There's no way. I, I mean, I was so enthralled, and, and, and I've sent him some texts. We just haven't fully connected, but I want to get him on the show and just talk a little bit about this ride that he's on because it's – you you know I'm in the the weeds on all this stupid golf stuff. But his name is popping up every week, making another hole in one or doing something that um, you know is kind of unexpected. So yeah, whatever whatever he does is 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 pretty damn amazing. I mean I know he shot a couple of course records here here in the last month or so. So he's obviously playing a lot of good golf. Jay, speaking of Rory McIlroy, he says he knows why he hasn't won a Masters yet. And he was on a podcast. He said, I think it's I think sometimes it's because it's the one I haven't won. The only thing I think about that week is winning it. And that's not the way to approach a golf tournament. He says, I just feel at Augusta I get too results-oriented too early instead of getting myself in the tournament and playing my way into contention yep. like I do at every other tournament. Is that a, a – when you're in that moment of, you know, one of the biggest golf tournaments in the world that, that's happening, he just – He's thinking about it too much instead of just playing his game, right? Absolutely, Kerry. And here's the other thing that's such a mind-numbing about Augusta. It's the only major venue that doesn't change every year. Hmm. We go to Augusta in the spring. Everybody knows where the flagstick's going to be on Sunday. It just messes with you because these are really, really capable golfers that are all prepping the same way, guys. When you go to the practice rounds and everything, it's – it's amazing to watch. Everybody is hitting chips and putts from the same area, area because you know ninety nine percent of the time your ball's going to funnel in this little you know collection area, and you're going to need to try to figure out how to handle it. And with with I read that article, Carrie, and I thought it was a great article because Rory said, 
I remember he said, you know, there's these big scoreboards, these white scoreboards, and they're all over the place, so you can't avoid them. Hmm. And I remember him saying he saw that at one point in time he was 10 strokes behind Brooks Kepka, and he said he remembers, you know, trying to make something happen, and obviously he wound up missing the cut. And so you, you, he's got to get back into staying present, staying playing. It sounds so boring, you guys, but it's the only way to climb the golf mountain is one shot at a time. And you have to free it up and not worry about where it goes. It is really hard to do. Jay, I have an equipment question for you that I've never asked. We've talked a lot about the advancement of technology and equipment. Has the technology of the putter advanced substantially? It really has, Randy. There, so Scotty Cameron is the first to really take this to uh, a big high level. Now, Ping the, the Ping, the Karsten um, Solheim family has been making great golf equipment, you guys, since I've been a kid. They started it in their garage. They started it in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, and Karsten Solheim and his now his sons make great, really, really solid equipment. But Scotty Cameron took it to an entirely different level, La- uh, getting all of these things laser cut, Randy, and measuring all of these. I mean, now you can get um, – and people probably don't know this, but every putter has loft on it. You don't want to have your putter an exact straight face. Otherwise, the ball would more than likely get beat into the ground. What you actually want the ball to do is just kind of skim along the top of the ground until it starts rolling again after you hit it. And Scotty Cameron was the first to to, to laser measure these and, and then get his the heads of the putters um, lasered out of pieces of metal and use different sorts of metal for different fields and things like that. So the, the, the putter, and so there's also lie angles, Randy, for different, uh, for your different uh, heights of men and women. So if, if you're a, a shorter guy, you're going to want a little flatter lie angle. If you're a taller guy like I am, you're going to want a little, little more like a, probably a 71 or 72 degree lie angle on there, but it's, 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 it really has come a long, long way. And, they used to just kind of throw, I've got a basement full of putters that just don't feel good anymore because these new putters are so much better. Jay, I noticed that some people switch their hands when they're putting. I think Randy does it. Or, no, I'm not a crossing. Why, what's the purpose of that, and, and does it work better than, than putting normal? <laughs> Sounds like you're searching, Jay. I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to find some things here. Huh? <laughs> no, Gary, they're basically looking for a different sort of feel. So, I mean, there's there's been this this overall thought and the golf channel has thrown out a lot of good stuff over the years, but guys, it has really screwed up a lot of people too. (laughs) And when it comes to, when it comes to chipping, pitching and putting, they talk on the golf channel, about you got to keep your hands firm and you have to keep them way ahead. And that just, nobody that make, nobody that plays on Sunday does that unless you're under a tree trying to hit this little low shot to keep the ball real low. Their hands have to stay soft and supple. Imagine Michael Jordan shooting a free throw. He rolls, he spins the ball, it comes back to him. His wrists are soft and supple, and, and that's where you get all of your feel, you guys. Imagine Albert Pujols trying to hit a major league you know, baseball while, while not being supple with it and, and quick with his hands. I mean, it, all of that, it, and guys, all that thinking slows you down. The golf swing takes just over a second to happen. You can't be thinking about a lot of stuff. One thought and one thought only. So when guys are going left-hand low or cross-handed or they're doing the pencil grip, that's all these things, they're trying to just get a different feel carry. And what they're 
what they're looking for is just to try to make a damn putt. I mean, <laughs> most of these guys would putt with a hockey stick if they thought they were to get it in a hole. They, they really would. And I, I'm included in that. And there was one tour guy, I remember, he had a, a really short, but it was a, an astronomical run. Remember Happy Gilmore? Ken what, Green. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Ken Green. That 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 guy made a, about a 60-foot putt on, on the 18th hole, not that I remember this, on the 18th hole at Memphis uh, when I was to, to tie for second with me, which only cost me about $43,000. <laughs> I don't remember much of that. I don't remember all of it. I just remember some of it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, Jay, it's always good to hear your voice. Who do you have on the show on Sunday morning? Danny Mack and I have Chris Pronger on the show, you guys, and he was so fun. I don't know if you got to see any of the celebrity shootout at the Ascension Charity Classic, but Bronx was out there with, with Chief and Ozzy and Robert Thomas and, and Hale Irwin, and, and somebody was chirping him on the 17th, you know, where they had that really cool amphitheater setting down there, and, and Prague said to him, you sound pretty brave up there and you know, row three. Why don't you come on down to the green? So Prong was challenge Prongs was challenging somebody out on the seventeenth scene and it was golf. So we were we were trying to make Smart it kind of a, guy. A, 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 Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was really fun. We also Carrie, we also have Mike Small, who is the University of Illinois uh, golf coach. And I I know you knew this already, Carrie, but University of Illinois men's golf team is a national powerhouse. Yes, they haven't they won are. the national championship, but they are they're ballers up there, and Mike Small is really a good guy. They good are really good. Yeah, so they got that going for him. That was a mouthful in that question, Randy. You already said when he asked that again. I, I didn't stop. We're looking forward to it. Jay, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good show. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. So they got the golf going, which we is do nice. Have, no, yeah. we've always had, had a really good golf team. Good. Yeah. Other teams aren't. <laughs> Coming up. Text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-Yo-Ho. Take it or leave it coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. The number, 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. And we want you to participate. So the Travis-Kelsey-Taylor Swift relationship is heating up a little bit. Kelsey going on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and said that he's been talking to Taylor Swift and invited her to a Chiefs game. Take It or Leave It. Taylor should accept the invitation, accept the tickets, and then put them on StubHub. Oh, oh, why? Why would she do that? Leave Money. it. Because the $2,000 per <laughs> ticket that she's charging, not enough. They <laughs> just need a little bit more. Leave it. I The the whole uh, relationship's been interesting. So they're, they are talking? They or are talking, I'm according to Kelsey. I'm confused about what's going on. Uh, he says, quote, it's hilarious how much traction this has actually got. I think it's right now, it's like that old game in school called Telephone where everybody's just whispering in each other's ear, just hearing some random stuff. Uh, 
And he said that his brother Jason Kelsey has been one of the main reasons that the gossip has exploded because uh, he's talking about it all the time. That's what brothers are for. Yeah. But uh, he's, he's shooting a shot. Yeah. yeah. If you, you miss he's 100% doing. of the shots you don't take, Randy. I, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't speak on it until it got like a little bit further along, but it seems like they're having fun with some of the attention coming from it. Hey, if it works out, it why works. Not? And I do love their podcasts. They're, they are hilarious. They're hilarious. Yeah. yeah. They're funny. Uh, so there's an visitors to the Royal Academy of Arts in London are expected to squeeze between two nude models oh. to view a highly anticipated exhibit dedicated to the career of Marina Abramovich. Take it or leave it. You're not squeeze. You don't want to see any art that bad. I'll take that. Yeah. I'm. So are these like live nude models? Oh. Oh, there's a there's a photo of it. So it's those are yeah, real people. Real people. That's Randy's like. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, no, I, let just, me see. I, I wanted to see the shape of the people. I mean, they're, they're very shapely. <laughs> they are. They're fit. Yeah. But so that you one can is a man and the other is a woman. Yeah, I'm not squeezing. Why? Okay. Here, here's another follow up question. Why does art sometimes do some of the weirdest stuff I've be ever careful, seen? Brooke. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, is the art community going to come after because me? Because it's supposed to make you think. Are they going to send new people to come get me? I don't know. It's supposed to challenge your boundaries and make you think. Well, what is that challenging me to do? Clearly, it's big, be a challenge it, for Carrie to get challenge. past it. Be that's challenge. all I'm saying. Carrie, you just be. run right through them. Yeah. They're going to move. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not turning my shoulders. I'm going straight forward. It seems in my history <laughs> of like, taking art history classes, which I may or may not have flunked, but it does <laughs> seem Randy, like. We saw your, we saw your report. Okay. Right. Yeah. It, it does seem like many artists did have dalliances with uh, maybe hallucinogen, hallucinogenic drugs. Oh. And maybe that's mm. why they do weird things. Yeah. That's okay. Sometimes it, it's just very uncomfy. It makes you think outside the box, yeah. I guess. I wouldn't su- suggest it. He got chopped off his own ear. Uh. He Van Gogh himself. <laughs> and then became the most famous artist in the world. Uh, After he died. You just have to do that. Maybe that's what started all this is that they realize, oh, I got to kind of top that if I want to be yeah. the next great artist. Yeah. And now I have to put nude models to yeah. make people uncomfortable. Just Johnny Topper. Yeah. <laughs> well, take it or leave it, guys. Wilson Contreras, as we saw, an update that you didn't want to see. He is going to basically be done for the rest of the season as he's dealing with this wrist issue. So they haven't announced the core responding move yet take it or leave it it's not going to be Moises Gomez take it or leave it it's going to be Michael Ciani I am going to leave that we have to see the catcher we got for Henesis Cabrera oh uh, <laughs> you want to see the we? catcher yeah, yeah I got two already here well three yeah, one three is hurt. hurt well one's hurt yeah so you get yeah. a third one replace him with no it'll be Ciani I'll take it it'll be Ciani but yeah, I, I would like see to Moises see Gomez I would prefer to see Moises Gomez. I don't think the Cardinals would prefer to see Moises Gomez. You get a get a Jordan Walker, Moises Gomez, and and Juan Yepes in the outfield. Well, and then fun? Yepes, he has some experience. Like in, you could put him at third base possibly, you or you know, give some guys some days off because I think defensively, if we were talking about earlier that you know we know what's happening the rest of the season, why not give guys a chance? Here's the thing. I just think that it possibly could be Michael Ciani. But I'm looking at, if you're talking about bringing up another outfielder, why not with Moises Gomez? Because it feels like it's now or never with him, or it just seems like what you're saying, Randy. They've already decided what they see in him, and that's it. Yeah, and he had a 753 OPS, has a 753 OPS. 30 home runs. Yeah, so he's a legit power hitter. And they liked him last year. As a matter of fact, it seems like during spring training, they talked about the possibility of him yeah. being with the club. 
Maybe they just decided there was something they didn't like about him. That's too bad for him. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Let me see if I can see a picture of Michael Ciani. Couldn't uh, pick him out of the lineup. No. There used to be a Mike Ciani that was a receiver in the NFL, I think. I don't remember him. Michael Ciani. Yeah, he fits the Cardinals' mold. Oh, and what is that, Randy? It's just saying. Oh, oh, okay. He's had nine home runs this season, 48 RBI, 227 average. And so then when you compare that to Moises Gomez. I was really, uh, I was really yeah. confused when Randy said he fits the Cardinals wall. I thought he was a 35-year-old pitcher. Uh, <laughs> does, he, does he look like Casey Lawrence or not? Mike, Mike Ciani, 1972 through 1980, played for the Raiders and the Colts, had 158 career catches for 2,600 yards. 17 touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I, and I don't know if he's related to Michael Ciani. Oh. Hmm, maybe they're related. Maybe, maybe it's Could the same be. person. No, who knows? All right. What do you got on the uh, the old text line there, Matthew? Take it or leave it. We learn a lot more about the Kelsey's and Taylor Swift's relationship on our next album. Oh, take Ooh. it. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm going to take that, too. I I bet that there will be some interesting things I think they're going to be come in love. Uh, <laughs> not, for, no. not for long. NFL. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like they're both very busy, too, considering it's the NFL season. How would they make that work? And a world tour, is that still going on? Maybe that's exactly the kind of person they need work. to be with. Oh. Maybe just never both, see each other? Well, that's maybe, like maybe the perfect just, relationship. Maybe they're both the kind of people who just, they don't need to, they don't need to like constantly need to be around the person. <laughs> they're never in the same city. Yeah, they work. maybe see each other for like 30 minutes. <laughs> maybe, that's that's she, maybe that's what she <laughs> needs. A weekend every month. <laughs> Maybe it'll last that way. Take it or leave it. Mizzou's ranked number 21 when we're here on Monday. Take it. Who do they play? They play Memphis this week. We play Memphis. Play? We got here at the Dome. We've got Memphis <laughs> tickets available. MBTigers.com. <laughs> call 1-800-CAT-PAWS. Uh, go to Ticketmaster. Uh, they're number 27 right now in the country. They'll Get on board, Carrie. M-I-Z. M-I-Z, Carrie. M-I-Z. Does it feel like the rankings, though, have not necessarily mattered with some of the teams that you've seen? Right. Does it actually help? I don't know. Well, but if you're a 4-0 SEC team, you're going to be in the top 25. Of course. Yes. Hmm. I'm going to leave it. Oh, jeez. Is is it because Mizzou's not undefeated anymore? It doesn't matter. Oh, wow. Good Lord. If they're 4-0, they will be ranked. Why? Because they're 27 right now. They win a a game against a good Memphis team. They're going to be at least 24. Well, you know what? Wait till they play Vanderbilt. Now that is what's going to get them into the top 25 if they beat Vandy. That will decide it for sure. No doubt about that. Take it or leave it. Anybody else gets hurt, just put Wayno in their spot. Take it. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Take it all day, yes. No, I don't want to see him playing third base. No, you. Uh, I disagreed. I don't. I don't want to see it. I don't want him to get hurt. No. Didn't he say that he's being like held together by duct tape at this point too? Come on. What are we doing here? Uh, Take it. Yeah, get him in at bat, and we're good. Take it or leave it. Mizzou would be a 14-point favorite against the Illini. Uh. Where's does that make does that make this person feel better? Does it make you feel better that Illinois like what type of person? You, I understand misery loves company, right? But you yeah. know, it, does it make you feel better? We are the same. In fairness, Carrie, literally, it's the same. You ask what kind of person? We literally spent like I think we spent like two whole segments last year around this time debating about what the line would be between yeah, Missouri and Illinois. We, we spent did. a lot of time talking about. We were that. good last year, though. It's fair. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, Take it or leave it. St. Louis needs to find a way to build a 68,000 seat retractable roof stadium. 
For who? Kind of late for that, yeah. <laughs> for for, for what? What? <laughs> I'm just, Is that not a legitimate question? For yeah, what? Yeah, I, that is. Uh, Carrie that asked is the same fair. thing. For what? Exactly. For who? For what? For who? Yeah. What about just updating the dome? Again, for who? For what? For concerts and you know different things like that. The Battle yeah. Hawks, of course. Uh, um, the but Battle USFL. To, but Battle here's Hawks? the thing: I do think to attract more big events, you do need to update the dome. I might be on one. Yeah, today. I don't know. But I, I don't even know if you did the ultimate upgrades to the dome. I don't know that it. For example, with where it is, you couldn't have had a Taylor Swift concert. Mm-hmm. Because of the ability to get all the trucks in and the the, the footprint of the stadium, it Beyonce just doesn't. Beyonce did a concert there. She did, but her footprint wasn't nearly as big as as Taylor Swift's. Oh, be careful, oh. Randy! No, um, the footprint of the number of trucks and the the, oh. the space oh. that they oh, okay. needed to hold their concert, uh, it wasn't it wasn't big enough. There just isn't enough room there. Hmm. So. Uh, Beyonce, I don't want the beehive on me, no. Yeah, I was like, you're going to, we're, we're no, going to get the I, art community I, after us. We're going to yeah. get the beehive coming. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't want any problem. No. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, we, we aren't building any stadiums anyway, so it's kind of a moot point, but no, we don't need it. We're fine. Yeah. Leave okay. it. Take it or leave it. To get more space ceiling next season, the Cardinals should readopt the heat is on. Oh yeah, I'll take, oh, I'll take that. I'll Absolutely. Take that. Yeah. Every time somebody gets on base. Yep. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I like they that. get on base. Yeah. One of your fast like guys, why not? Yeah. If nothing else, it puts something into the mind of the pitcher. By the way, a perfect day to get that text. Happy birthday, Vince Coleman. Oh. How old is Vince today? Oh, uh, that I do not know off the top of my head. One of the great oh, fifty nine. One of the greatest um, nicknames in the history of sports. A little bit low. Sixty two. I don't get And here's an amazing thing. Uh because it came up earlier in this very segment. Uh, his nickname, Vincent Van Gogh. Nice. G-O. Oh. Yep. 110. Oh, that's, is, that well. is such a good nickname. Yep. The art, he teaches the art of base stealing. Yeah. He does. <sighs> yeah. I never looked this up, but let's take a look, guys. He's so into base burglar. God, they, don't just, they just don't oh. make nicknames like that no, anymore. No, they don't. They don't. The 1985 St. Louis Cardinals... Uh, they stole 314 bases, as you know. They were caught 96 times, so basically three out of four, just 75%. So they they tried to steal bases uh, 410 times. That's amazing. That's great. I'm sorry. No one has ever made a big enough deal about the fact that the 85 Cardinals stole 314 bases. I don't, I do. I don't, I don't care what anyone I says. Do. That should have been something I knew off the top of my head at seven years old as a Cardinal fan because that's freaking awesome. They stole four in one play. <laughs> <laughs> like how? Like come on! Like you're telling me if like the Cardinals, what you know, if some you know if somebody finished a Cardinal career with like 636 home runs, that wouldn't be kind of cool. Get yeah, out of here! Yeah, but we've got all these guys that can run all this athleticism, but we're feared. We're feared that we're going to use up one of our 27 outs. <laughs> we're feared. <laughs> hey, look, for me. Hey, look! They just needed a, a little time. Randy. Yeah. They needed a full season to figure out how this shift, lack of it, and how the uh, the bigger bases were going to play out. Why did it not take Ronald Acuna that long to I figure it out? I don't know. He's out? almost got 70 stolen bases. <laughs> Himself. <laughs> Himself. <laughs> he he figured insane. it out pretty quickly. Didn't, didn't take the Reds long to figure uh, it out. Didn't take the Rays long to figure it out. I don't the know, Rays man. are kind of analytical, aren't they? And they're second in Major League Baseball in stolen bases. So you're saying yeah. that there's a place for actually that type of uh, well, that, that, that type of game? I would suggest 
if you're trying to win. Ah, yeah, it would, it would that makes that now that makes sense, right? I like your theory though. I think they just needed a year to you know figure out the rules because they, uh, I think the, it got it it got to them late, you know, because the World Baseball Classic. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There it was uh, the leaders in stolen bases: Reds 175, Rays 157, Diamondbacks 156. Uh, so those are all three teams in the playoff hunt. Uh, and then let's go down to the Cardinals. Well, league average is 110. Cardinals are at 95. Vince Coleman had 110 in 1985. The Ronald Cardinals have 95 Ronald right Cunha now. Ronald Acuna has 67, I believe, last yeah. I checked. Brutal in the stolen base department. So that's, the Rockies have 68. That's not great. No. Anyway, mm. that's uh, that's take it or leave it. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate you. <laughs> How about that? Coming up, we've got our fresh take for you. St. Louis City back in action tomorrow. A quick turnaround. Can they get closer to clinching that Western Conference? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. All right, St. Louis City SC is back in action tomorrow after their Wednesday draw with LAFC. They're going to take on Minnesota United FC tomorrow. MUFC, MUFS, uh, slipped up on Wednesday to help City clinch after letting LA Galaxy come back to win 4-3. But before that game, Minnesota United FC had not lost a league game since the restart. Now, should they, let's just try to get this clarified here. Mm-hmm. Should they not be either Minnesota United or Minnesota FC? Do they need to be Minnesota United FC? I mean, that is redundant, is it not? It feels a little bit. It, it feels like it's just too many things at once. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Imagine. It also happens to be the initials of the most famous Oops. football club on the planet, really? Where Manchester, Manchester United, United FC. So it's like, so they're just trying really? to copy that, huh? What do you like? Did you do that? Like, you're telling me you didn't do that on purpose? If you just type it in, what comes up? You don't. You I mean, bet it's Manchester United. Ooh, I want to know. Maybe. And okay. so it's just like, what are, you, what are you? United what are you doing? A few what do you do as well? I don't like it. If I type in, surprise, surprise. No, maybe. Manchester right. comes up. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that comes up yeah, first. It's the first thing. It's the very first thing that comes I don't up. Think, I don't think Minnesota United comes up in like in any way. So. Minnesota United is going to be highly motivated. They're a point out of the ninth seed wild card, so they're going to be clawing for every point that they can get. And obviously, St. Louis City SC, preeminent team in the Western Conference of Major League Soccer, they need two wins with one of those wins being against Seattle. So you might as well get the points now, and they need those wins, by the way, the one against Seattle, to clinch the top seed in the Western Conference. They're eminently capable, although... St. Louis City SC has been a much more effective home team than a road squad. They have been, and that's what's been really kind of intriguing to see, especially when you're getting closer to playoffs here. You really want to see, and I know that you say this for all sports, right? You want to see the team kind of firing on all cylinders going into the playoffs, and I think that that's why you would like to at least see City SC pick up a win. Now, what they did against LAFC, that was a huge game, and it was great to at least come away with the draw. You would have liked the win, points-wise, of course, but also getting that draw was important because of if you looked at the difference in play with LAFC, it felt like they really kind of respected 
City SC mm-hmm. coming to their house. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's kind of where you see the teams come in and they're playing to City SC more where it's almost like they have to it's like they're taking off their shoes at the front door and they're saying, "All right, you know, this is you guys are kind of dictating how the game goes here at home at City Park Stadium and that has a lot to do with the fan atmosphere. Even there were some LAFC players that mentioned it felt like a playoff atmosphere the other day. And so being able to, you know, play at home is a huge advantage for them obviously, just would like to see them kind of continue that momentum on the road. That's been City's M.O. all season, though, just really applying pressure on teams, making sure that you know that they are well uh, trained, in shape, ready to go, a full 90-plus, whatever it needs to be, and they are going to attack you the entire time. I think for City, you know, just having Klaus back and having Adeneron back, I think that's going to be really good for them in being able to attack teams and continue to apply apply that pressure. Roman Berkey has done – Outstanding. We talked about it yesterday. He's going to continue to do and do an outstanding job. So, I think that they'll they'll get this win and and you know clinch that uh that number one seed. And with Klaus back, they should be able to get some more balanced scoring. With everybody that stepped forward, in the absence of Klaus, you would hope that that depth will step to the fore and against a, a side like Minnesota FC. Uh, Minnesota, Minnesota United FC. Uh, <laughs> that uh, I'm, I'm with you, Matthew. No, it's, it's the dumbest thing in the world. It, it, it is. is. Right. Uh, hopefully, they'll they'll get three goals from three different people. Do we have lightning out there? Yeah, or we something? have lights flickering. Oh, lights Unless flickering I'm in our room. Lights flickering. Okay. If you're watching, oh, if you're watching on the uh, on flicking. the YouTube channel, everybody is alarmed in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it stopped. Uh, it was. I also think a big thing to look at is just I mean because the last time you faced off against this team, you lost one nil, and that was back in April, and just the, the change. And the turnover in the lineup has really been incredible. Adeneron came off the bench for a little spell. AZ Jackson only played 13 minutes. Uh, the back four is now very different. Hebert and Nelson both got starts there. That's probably not going to be the case on Saturday. And Vasilev, Shroud, and Ostrock all started. Those are got, Usually one of those three will start now, and mm-hmm. the other two will be subs off the bench at, at crucial times. So the fact that you've completely you know turned over half of the roster in a lot of ways and you've gotten better at almost yeah. every single one of those spots and deeper at every single one of those spots, I think there's a very good chance this is a, this is a very different game than it was early in the season when it was 1-0. That's well, one of the things, I mean to cut you off, that's one of the things that happens when guys get injured, other guys get more opportunities, and when those good guys get back healthy, now you got more depth on your bench because people have had the experience of playing, and they won't be afraid of those moments because they've already been in, in them. Yeah, and it was Minnesota, as you mentioned there, it was Minnesota that knocked City SC out of that historic start at the very right. beginning. So there's, there's a lot to play for here for many reasons. One, revenge for that. Two, because of the points and just being able to kind of build more of that momentum going in the playoffs. And another player, you brought up AZ Jackson. That'll be interesting to watch because he was also a part of Minnesota's uh, MLS Next Pro Team. Mm-hmm. So that was a big part of him and him getting to this point, too. Looking forward to it tomorrow, 7.30, and you'll see that one on Apple TV+. Plus. Coming up, it's our first visit of the season with the great Joey Vitale. He's our guy. And he's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley. 
Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN. The Blues has started training camp, and that means we get to return to our Friday visits with Joe Vitale, who is our favorite guest, and he's with us on the Celebrity Line right now. Uh, Joey V, first of all, missed you during the summer, my man. How you doing? Randy, good morning, buddy. I'm doing great. I really am. It's been an awesome summer, a long summer, one of the longest off-seasons in the books. Uh, certainly could have been a little bit longer, but all, all in all, it's been it's been really great. It's great to be back at the rink and, and see the players back returning for camp. The highlight of Joe Vitale's summer was? Whoa, uh, I tell you what, we went on a Disney cruise, which uh, I finally I finally went for. We, we obviously are big Disney people. Uh, we go twice a year to the Disney World. And my parents offered to, to get everyone together to go on a Disney cruise. And, and I, I jumped for it. And I tell you what, guys, it was awesome. It was tight. It was cramped. Don't get me wrong. I mean, seven people in a, two very small staterooms side by side was, was no joke. I think our, my marriage was definitely tested uh, <laughs> to the limit. You know, I, I don't know if my wife and I have fully recovered. This, this cruise was back in July. I mean, don't get me wrong. This was like two months ago. So, you know, I, I'd like to think that, you know, after a week, things will settle down. But uh, let's just say I think she's really ready for me to hit the road and uh, be back be back calling radio games. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I, of course, I have to ask you first, before we get into Blue's training camp, because that's also important. But this is an important question. Your favorite Disney character and why? Wow, that's a, that's a, really, it's a really great question. We're hitting uh, you hard this morning with these questions. I know. I know. I mean, there's so many of them. My kid asked me this the other day. I've always been a fan of Woody. I've loved Woody from Toy Story. I just nice. think that, yeah, it's just he just has this wonderful, just beautiful harmony to his existence. I, can, I yeah. think there's this wonderful balance of his humor, but I think he always tried to do the right thing. I relate a lot to Woody because here I am as a dad and a husband. I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. Like, you know, Woody was trying to get all the toys off in the right area, but then he screwed up by putting some of them in the trash bag, and then half of them ended up in the trash, and then he had to kind of reverse that. But his, <laughs> his intentions were good. He wanted to keep everyone together, and he wanted to be Andy's toys, right? His, his heart was in the right spot. I feel like my heart is in the right spot, but I tend to screw things up at every corner. Um, and that's why I just ask for a little bit of grace from my wife and my kids, because... Uh, that's all I can hope for at the end of the day. So Woody, I think Woody's my guy right now. All right, uh, Joey, I know we're going to talk hockey, but I, I, you're a bread connoisseur. We not, we never really talk hockey when we have you on. So I know you're a bread connoisseur. We were, I was listening to Michelle this morning on on uh, Evan Canty and Michelle, and they were talking about bread, the best bread choice for toast in the morning. I think it's sourdough bread. A couple of them said rye. What's your what's your choice? Well, Kerry, that's why you're my guy, and you always will be my guy. It's sourdough. No I mean, question. 100%. There's no question. Listen, there, there's no question when you're talking about toast, and sourdough really is. It's going to hit you in a different spot. So you look at you look at the mouth. You look at the way the, our palate has been designed. We have, obviously, uh, there's the sweet on the tip of the tongue, and then uh, there's the salty, and then the savory. And then, of course, at the very back of your tongue, there are all the, uh, the sour notes. That's where all the sour um, – the sensors basically click in. So when you take a bite of sourdough, you're kind of hitting that back jaw, your mouth, and that's what helps you salivate. And then Mm -hmm. when you're talking about toast, you're thinking of something creamy like butter, and then you throw jelly on it. So then you have the sweet sweet sensation. So, you know, you put on a piece of plain white bread, you're just going to get sweet. But that's where the sourdough really is that perfect umami bite because you got the sour and the sweet balance. So to me, sourdough all the way. I was actually talking to Mackenzie McKecker, and uh, Blues just re-signed him again this offseason. He told me yesterday, I was sitting down in the locker with him, and uh, Randy, if you're ever around the rink, or Brookie too, talk to him about it. He is a bread enthusiast now. He, Him and his, his newly married wife this summer 
They bake bread, sourdough bread, like every day. He's telling me all about his starter. I mean, I could have talked to this guy for like 45 minutes about bread. And so it's great to see some of the hockey players coming around to it as well. But to answer your question in a long version, uh, Carrie, it would be sourdough 100% all the way. Uh, okay, we got to do this one more time. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you make the best sourdough, and by the way, I would love t- during the season to get a loaf of Joey Vitale's sourdough bread. But aside from the sourdough that you bake, what's the best sourdough in St. Louis? What bakery has the best sourdough in St. Louis? Well, you know, I think there's there's two things I would say. I mean, if you're if you're kind of old school and you know you love just that that old just traditional the the bread that brings you back to your childhood, I would I would personally go to uh, Vitaly's Bakery down on the hill. I mean, I'm a little biased here, but distant cousins, I think they have a great Italian loaf with sesame seeds. Again, you're gonna cut it open. It's gonna be uh, one and done in probably a day because it doesn't. It's not gonna last on the shelf very long. Uh, but it, it it's just that old school Italian bread that you just is perfect with any meal. Uh, that's number one. Number two, if you're looking for something more artisanal, I would say, uh, Union Loafers does a, a fantastic job. They're in Botanical Heights. Uh, Ted, he local guy, he obviously grew up here in St. Louis and he started Union Loafers. I think that's the best sourdough bread uh, if you, for, for purchase around. Uh, but you know what? I tell you what, the other thing too, Randy, I mean, I feel like everyone's kind of gotten into this and kind of gotten this bug since COVID. You would not be surprised. Start asking some of your friends, talk about it, bring it up, and I guarantee you someone they know or, or someone that they know knows does bake sourdough bread out of their house and just gives it away or sells it to people because it's kind of becoming that, that thing where everyone's kind of doing it. So I would not shock me one bit if one of your close friends actually bakes sourdough bread. And, and, and I always tell people, too, get some sourdough starter from a buddy and try it out because the best bread you're going to eat in St. Louis is going to be in the same place, and it's going to be in your own home. So give it a shot, give it a whirl, find some good flour, and uh, it's hard to mess up. It really is. We still have to work one of those deals. We haven't done it in a long time. One of those sourdough for carrot cake deals. Yeah, we got to. Oh man, I tell you what, that carrot. I've been thinking about that carrot cake. <laughs> I almost. I would say a weekly basis. I, it comes across my mind. You know, my wife will be talking about the kids' schedule, and I kind of go into this like this days. And she's like, "Are you even listening to me?" Ninety percent of the time, I'm thinking about your character. I just gotta do this. <laughs> Is that what caused the all the tension with the Disney cruise? You were just zoning out, thinking about Randy's character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it's just, it kind of is what it is. You know, I'm starting to realize that marriage. You know, someone told me this the other day. Marriage is like. Uh, your wife is like, or your husband is like a, a big oak tree that is planted right in your living room. You know, I, I thought about that for a while. I didn't really know what he meant by that. But I think the essence of that story is, is this big tree. You can't really, you can't really avoid it. It's right there. Uh, you certainly can't chop it down because then the whole house comes down. So you have to figure out a way to coexist with it. So I think that's the best marriage advice I have for people. Joey V, I was out at the rink yesterday, and I love the confidence of this team. And this is a team that still has a lot of good players. And everybody around the Blues seems to believe that they're a playoff team, which I love to hear. And I know everybody at this time of year thinks they're a playoff team, but some teams really aren't. I I look at this Blues team, and I think there are enough players there for them to be a playoff team. And I'm I'm happy with their confidence. What read are you getting? You know, I think if you look at just to talk about the Central Division for a second, you know, and I talked to Doug Armstrong about this a week ago. He had a nice little round table with the broadcasters. It was really, really insightful. You know, I think I agree with him when he says this. You look at this division, um, you three, and it's, it's Colorado and, to me, Dallas. And I, I, think, I think I agree with that. Colorado and Dallas, they're going to be your hard hitters in this division. Those are the ones coming in with the most expectations, and they're going to be very good. We all know that. Uh, and then you have uh, the rest. Let's call them the rest. And the Blues are in the rest. And you look at how each of the rest of the teams, whether it be the Winnipegs, I mean, Arizona's an interesting team. They find a lot of one-year deals. Maybe something, some chemistry clicks there. You know, and then you look at, you look at the St. Louis Blues. 
Uh, they do believe that they're going to be contenders to the very end, and I think they, I think they are right. And I think the reason why is because you look at how this game has changed so much. One thing has not changed. If you can work and you can hit and you can smash, you're going to win games. And I think that this team makeup really is that. i tell you one thing about this Blues team. We may be lacking in some veterans. We may be lacking in some overly skilled players. You know, I know that um, – but I will, will, will say this. This team, talking to these guys and talking to Doug Armstrong, this team is going to smash you. I mean, they are going to hit you, and they are going to drive through you. I think we have a very great group in the sense that I think it's a young group, but now we have a couple of really good veterans that are going to kind of lead that way. Look at this bottom six forward. We have the four group. I mean, Kevin Hayes, Torpchenko, you got Oscar Sundquist, Sammy Blay. I mean, these guys are huge. We may have the biggest, heaviest bottom six in the National Hockey League. I do believe that. And what comes with that is they're going to play hard-hitting hockey. And I think when you play hard-hitting hockey, you look at the teams winning the Stanley Cup every year. Look at Vegas, for example, last year. They're just a smash team. They're going to smash you. They're going to hit you. They're going to, they're going to put you right through the wall. That was what's great about the 2019 St. Louis Blues team was that they were not afraid to smash you. So I do love the makeup of this team in the sense that I do think they're going to get down to their roots and they're going to realize what it takes to win. They got the coach that's going to give the right message. And I truly, truly believe now they have the right leadership core intact that is going to get that message from the coach, pass it on to the players. You know, last year, not, to, not no, no disrespect to the leadership group we had, but, you know, Ryan O'Reilly was a UFA. Tarasenko was a UFA. There was a lot of noise around that. There was a lot of kind of uh, drama built around that. It just this group could not get their bearings. I love the fact that Braden Shen's the captain. You bring in Kevin Hayes, wonderful personality. You got Justin Falk, Robert Thomas. I mean, these guys now are, this is the group. This is the group moving forward. They know what it's going to take for this group particularly to win, and it's going to be that smash style, and I do think they have the makeup to do it. What about the defensive unit? Do you think that there's been enough changes? I know that you have a new defensive coach coming in, but do you think there's going to be enough changes? Because with last season, that was a huge wake-up call for that unit, right? I, I do. I think that this this year is going to be different from a coaching standpoint. Brooke, you bring up a great point right there. You know, one thing about Mike Van Ryan, you know, to me, he's always struck me as a head coach. Wherever, Whenever I talk to him, I watch his mannerisms on the bench. I talk to some players about him. He, I think he's just got the makeup of a head coach. Of course, he had some tremendous success when he was in the Arizona farm team in the American Hockey League, and then he transitioned to the NHL for, for – uh, the assistant role. Now, of course, he's going to be an assistant in Toronto. But I think that he's always had the personality of a head coach. Now, what, what do I mean by that? A lot of times with a with an assistant coach, you, you kind of need a buddy. The players kind of need a buddy. They kind of need someone just to bounce ideas off of. Or maybe after getting yelled at uh, by Craig Berube, they, need, they needed an assistant coach to come over and kind of give him a hug. And I think that Mike Van Ryan, just by his nature, he would almost mimic at Craig Berube at times. And I think that it got a, it got a little bit tough for these players to, to handle at times because they're getting it from Chief and now they're getting it from Mike Van Ryan and you know they're going to get it from the press and they're going to get it from their, you know the teammates so there wasn't a lot of relief you know you bring Mike Mike Weber in I had a few short conversations with him uh, his reputation speaks for himself everyone you talk to absolutely adores this guy uh, Steve Ott of course longtime friends uh, they go back you know 20 20 25 years and he talks so much about him as well I think he's going to be more of a Steve Ott presence on the backside where when these players are coming off the ice, they're going to get maybe more of a hug at times. Now, why is that important for this particular group? Because we've got a lot of veterans. Look at the amount of games for Colton Pareko, Justin Falk, Tory Crew, Nick Letty. I mean, Robert Bortuzzo. I mean, we're talking six, seven, eight hundred games between all these guys individually. So you have so many veteran guys. 
I think that now you have the coach that's in place for a veteran group. Mike Van Ryan, again, I think he strikes me more as either a head coach or an assistant for a young, young team that need a lot of coaching. I don't know if this veteran group for the Blues need a ton of coaching. They just more sense, more or less need a presence on the bench that's going to kind of give them a pickup because these guys know how to handle themselves. They can police themselves. They can motivate themselves. They know what their job is going to be. So I think that in itself, the coaching change, is going to help this veteran group on the backside tremendously. Joey V, it's great to hear your voice. Looking forward to the first broadcast already tomorrow with the Arizona Coyotes in town, pregame at noon here on 101 ESPN, and let's have a great season. Sounds great, Randy. Thanks for your time this morning. Brooke, care of you as well. You guys are doing a great job and looking forward to the entire season with you all. You bet. Take, thank you, sir. Take care. That is Joe Vitale, a blues analyst here on 101 ESPN and one of my favorite people, one of the most curious people <laughs> that I've ever met. And he's so much fun. You can ask him literally anything and he will have a great story to come with it and give you the answer. It'll just take a little bit, but it's like the best story that you've ever listened Fantastic. to. Fantastic. And now I learned about why sourdough bread is good. It's the back of your tongue. Mm, yes. Oh, yes. Now you know via radio. Coming up, <laughs> uh, Matthew, do you need a fighter? Always. We do need a fighter. So you can text in to 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo ho. Your name and the word fight to that number. Text in and perhaps Matthew will pick you as our next fighter here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Patrick. Patrick, how you doing? Uh, doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing better now. <laughs> We're learning some things in the studio, and yeah. Rock is teaching us some things. And he's, he made a statement that his opinion is the only one that matters. And so no, we, no, that's, oh. I, that's not what I meant. I, I meant, almost spat out my food. I meant your own personal thoughts on that subject are all that matter. That's, all I, that's, that's what, that's what I was what saying. Said. What you that's said what I said. It's my opinion, and that's all that matters. And so, As in, on that subject, I, your personal opinion is the only thing that matters that's all i was saying okay that's if that's what we're gonna go with that's fine but uh, my eggs just almost flew across the room i was taking a bite at that exact moment (laughs) intriguing all right patrick you're ready to take over randy character uh yeah all right here we go last night christian mccaffrey scored a touchdown in his 12th straight game which running back holds the super super bowl era record with 18 consecutive games with a rushing or receiving touchdown is it priest holmes Barry Sanders or Ladanian Tomlinson? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Hmm, I'm a big Priest Holmes fan. I, hmm, but uh, let's go with Ladanian Tomlinson. You, you get there? Oh, I thought you were gonna. Okay. Finalist. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Final answer. All right. Our next guest, Will Franklin, was a part of the 07 Tiger squad that reached number one in the nation with an 11-1 record going into the Big 12 championship game. Who was the one conference opponent that they lost to that year? Was it Oklahoma, Texas, or Oklahoma State? Oklahoma. Which Power Five? Final co- answer. 
Thank you. Which Power Five conference is the only one with eight different undefeated 3-0 teams? Is it the ACC, the Pac-12, or the SEC? The SEC. Final question. Happy birthday to Vince Coleman. After sealing at least 60-plus in all six of his seasons as a seasons as a Cardinal, Coleman would reach 50 stolen bags just one more time in his career. Which franchise did he do it with? Was it the Mets, the Royals, or the Mariners? The Mets. Final. All right, Patrick, we'll double-check that score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Patrick, how you feel? All right. Uh, not great. Not great. Okay. Well, it know. is definitely uh, it is definitely different when you're when you're just sitting there with the radio. It, yes. it, we hear that often. Uh, <laughs> you, you're you're enthused though, so that has to count for something. Uh, you're, you're a little were, bit. Yeah, you were ready to go. It's a Friday. I think it's Friday. Friday, right? Yeah, it's, it's Friday. Friday. Yes, it is Friday. Friday. Getting, it's fr- get ready I, to get tires put on my truck. There you Dude. go. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> Dance with us, Patrick. We can. We can. I assume you're dancing too, like he, us. No, of course. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> All right, Randy, you say hello to Patrick. Patrick, good morning. How are you doing? Doing good. How about yourself? Everything's terrific. Thank you very much for listening and checking in and playing. We do appreciate it. Thank you. By the way, if you're watching on the YouTube, Carrie had a reaction to a blinking light and yeah. had a bad headache, so yeah. that's why the lights are off in the room. Yeah. Flashing lights and me, uh, they, they, I feel like I'm going to throw ba- up. Bad gotta, combo, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah don't, 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 don't wish that on anyone. So I appreciate you no, guys. No, I'm actually pulling up to R and R right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to wish it on. One guy. <laughs> oh, Stan. <Whoa>. Stanley. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know me so well. All right, ready? Here we go. Really? Last night, Christian McCaffrey scored a touchdown in his 12th straight game, which running back holds the Super Bowl era record with 18 consecutive games with a rushing or receiving touchdown. First one that came to mind because I had him on a fantasy team was Emmett Smith. Um... He scored a lot of touchdowns. You would think that with a 31-touchdown campaign that LaDainian Tomlinson had a touchdown in every single game that he played one year. I'm going, because of that math, I'm going to go with LT, the offensive LT, yeah. LaDainian Tomlinson. Make sure we... <clears throat> Our next guest, Will Franklin, was a part of the 07 Tiger squad that reached number one in the nation with an 11-1 record going into the Big 12 championship game. Who was the one conference opponent they lost to that year? Pig Brown dropping an interception in the end zone right into his breadbasket against Oklahoma. Frustrating. That changed the momentum of the game. I think Mizzou could have won that regular season game if Pig Brown makes that interception, but he did not. And Sam Bradford in Oklahoma. And then, who was injured for the championship game? Pig Brown. Yep. And they allowed like 62 or something, right, in the championship mm-hmm. game. It was not great. No which, fault of Will Franklin's. Yeah. Which Power 5 conference is the only one with eight different undefeated 3-0 teams? Right now? Yep. This is going to sound weird, but I'm going to go with the Pac-12. Uh, Washington State, Oregon State, Washington, Colorado, USC, that's five right there. I think UCLA's undefeated. I can't imagine that the Arizona teams are undefeated, but uh, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with those right there. 
uh, over the SEC. Yeah, it just makes sense. I'll, I'll go with the Pac-12. Mm, yeah, I can't wait to see that com- conference go on moving forward. Uh, oh, that'll anyways. be so fun. Yeah, the Pac-12. Uh, Pac- 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 <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> just un- uncalled for a shot at the Pac-12. They haven't done anything oh, for anyone. They're trying. Whoopsie yeah. daisy. Uh, anyways, <laughs> final question. Happy birthday to Vince Coleman. After stealing at least 60-plus in all six of his seasons as a Cardinal, Coleman would reach 50 stolen bags just one more time in his career. Which franchise did he do it with? I'm going to say it was with the Seattle Mariners. I don't think he did it with the Mets. So, uh, although there were some fireworks in New York, but um, I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the <laughs> Seattle Mariners. <laughs> All right, this was an extremely close fight, but no tiebreaker needed. We do have a winner, Randy Carricker. It was a short week, but this is your chance to go undefeated this week, or. Patrick comes in here and does our favorite thing, which is sends us all into the weekend with a win for the caller. So is Randy excited or the rest of us in a good mood here with a caller victory? Ring that bell. (laughs) The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? That'll make everybody happy going into the weekend. There we go. Good. We didn't even play that yesterday when it was literally the... Well, because I, I was doing it for you people. Okay. I wasn't oh. doing this, by the way, Patrick. <laughs> I was doing it for you people that root against me every damn day. Oh! And I just... All I do is win, win, win. No matter what. That's a Davis he's talking about. I actually about. enjoy when it's a fight. When there's a challenge and you have to bring out your best. <laughs> And if you happen to lose on that day and you're steaming mad, I may or may not be happy about it. I don't know. If there's a a question that is is up for debate, I may or may not be thrilled by that. I I don't know. You like the drama. You like the drama. The theatrics. The word thrilled is the perfect word there. Patrick, I'm sorry you had to sit through all that because you did unfortunately fall to Randy Carricker 3-2 today. Dang. Well, hey, it was a good shot. I tried my best. And, hey, I hope you all have a great Friday. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. It It was a good fight today. Last night, Christian McCaffrey scored a touchdown in his 12th straight game. The running back who holds the Super Bowl era record with 18 consecutive games is, in fact, LaDainian Tomlinson. But it's not the 18 games you'd think so because he had actually had three different games in his record-setting 2006 campaign where he didn't score a single touchdown. It was actually across the 05, the 04 to 05 seasons when LaDainian Tomlinson put together those 18 consecutive. Not a single game in 06 counts in that 18 consecutive. Hmm. Our next guest, Will Franklin, part of the 07 Tiger squad that reached number one in the nation. They did, in fact, only lose to Oklahoma that year. It was, unfortunately, twice, though, once in the regular season and then in the Big 12 championship game. And which Power 5 conference is the only one with eight different undefeated teams? It's the only the, the, the conference is going to dominate college football for the next 25 years. It is, in fact, the Pac-12, USC, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah, Washington, and Washington State all sitting at 3-0. A couple of those are going to end this weekend. Happy birthday to Vince Coleman. After stealing at least 60 in all six of his seasons as a Cardinal, he would steal 50 just one more time and was exactly 50 with the Royals in 1994 for Vince Coleman. So a 3-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Again, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show, Patrick. 
Thank you. Y'all have a great day. You too, Patrick. Patrick. Thank you. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, speaking of Will Franklin, he will join us, the former Mizzou wide receiver, getting ready for tomorrow's Mizzou-Memphis game at the Dome. And Will joins us next in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and Mizzou plays Memphis tomorrow at the Dome, 6:30. Still tickets available, and it's going to be a great atmosphere, a lot of fun. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster or at mutigers.com. Joining us now on the celebrity line is former Mizzou wide receiver Will Franklin. I say former Mizzou wide receiver Will, but once a Tiger, always a Tiger, right? Always a tiger. <laughs> How you doing this morning? Everything's great. Great to have you with us. And you got a chance to uh, play some big games for Mizzou. It's fun to have them back in the in the conversation in regards to playing big games, isn't it? Oh, man, that's the best feeling in the world, knowing that your, your fellow Tigers are out there playing some big games in the big stages and, uh, and two just doing it right here at home in St. Louis. Well, of course, I have to ask you about East St. Louis native Luther Burton. A big question for him going into the season is, would he be able to take that next step? And I think so far he's answered that through three games, 324 yards on 22 receptions with three touchdowns. What have you seen difference-wise from him this season so far? The maturity level, being able to take on the things uh, as a freshman with the hype that came in with him and understand uh, the expectations of what it, it means to be a high-level recruit and going and playing the SEC at the level that's needed. Uh, this year, I see a real maturity jump on his play. Uh, Coach Drink and his staff has done a wonderful job with uh, helping him grow in a, in a short period of time with all the pressure that's put on him. And uh, that's what, those are the things that we're seeing now, man. You're seeing a kid go out there and perform a high level, and I think he's only at the beginning of what he can, can accomplish this year. Well, when you're looking at this uh, Mizzou roster, you got obviously a lot of guys from St. Louis. How important is it for Drink to continue to lock in the, the, the border and make sure that they're getting those kids from both sides, the east side and the west side of the state, making sure that they stay in-house and come down to Columbia? Oh, man, it, it, when you have both sides of the state locked in the way you did, you'll look back and you'll have a, a roster full of kids like we had in 2007. And you've got kids from Kansas City, from Tony Temple, Morgan Rucker, Chase Kaufman, then myself, Jeremy Macklin, you know what I mean, from here, from St. Louis. Uh, it brings the state right there into the middle of the state into Columbia and you pack the, the house every weekend and uh, friends and family feel very comfortable making that hour and a half drive there and uh, the excitement just stays there because you're looking at local products and um, you know for me it's, it's, it's a dream come true where you can you know play in St. Louis the way these guys are playing this weekend and uh, Drink is doing a hell of a job right now, and I think, you know, if he can continue to do what he's doing this year with this season, he will get a lot more kids from both sides of the state. Former Mizzou wide receiver Will Franklin with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Will, take us back to your opportunity to play here in St. Louis. What was that like? Oh, man, dream come true. Like I said, it was a dream come true. Being able to come out that tunnel, man, I, I watched the Rams for so many years when they were here in St. Louis come out and I wanted to mimic Isaac Bruce and Tory Ho, and you know we got the chance to get out there. Uh, that's one thing me and Jake Mack was talking about outside of the hassle of tickets leading to those games. Uh, just you know going out there and, and, and trying to do what your idols were doing on this same turf inside this same dome, and we were able to accomplish that. Uh, J Mack fortunately had two years of it; I had one, but 
both times I, I, I know for him was a, a wonderful experience. Uh, for me, it was something that I'll never forget. Also, what are your biggest keys to the game going into this game against Memphis? Because Memphis is not a cupcake whatsoever. They're also 3-0 and coming into this, a very tough challenge for Mizzou. What are your biggest keys to the game for Mizzou this weekend? Uh, uh, getting our defense back in rhythm. Uh, we have a very, very talented defense, and I think if we can get out there and establish ourselves uh, and, and offense pick up where we were last week, we'll be fine. Uh, but getting that defense back into the, the defensive front that we, we we're used to having and uh, playing balls to the walls, balls to the walls on defense makes the offense go out there and want to be excited to play because defense will give you time and give you more possessions. So if we can get the defense out there playing well uh, and the offense pick up where we left off last weekend, I think we're going to do very good. Well, did you see that text I sent you this morning? No, I didn't. You did not? Okay, well, check your text messages because uh, it's starting in 2024. The Hazelwood Central Hawks will be taking on the Vashon Wolverines for a back-to-back okay. home in a way. And I, I just wanted to send that to you. I know you are a proud Vashon alum. Vashon, B, I, Vashon I love and all that. I, I get it. I know. That's what, yeah, it, yeah. That, that's what it is. But I just wanted to send that to you. It ain't going to go how the Illinois-Mizzou battle went. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> hey, we don't know, man. It's a lot of talent. The kids around this area, nah, man, they both been signing. Hazelwood said too. Uh, Kerry is doing a hell of a job out there, and, and Coach Joe Anderson, the new head coach of Vashon, I'm sure he's going to have those boys ready to play next year and the years to come. And will I? Our computer is our, our internet slow here. I, I'm trying to look up how Mizzou did against Illinois at the dome. I, I don't. Randy, you don't have to look at <laughs> it. You don't need to. You don't need to. You don't, you don't need to bring that into the conversation. We we didn't win any. Mizzou won everything. We were so bad that we went tucked the tail and went on back to Champagne. We ain't played since. I know what took place. We were there. I was there. Will was there. He knows. Will, you can go on to the next question, brother. Don't worry about that. Don't Randy starting stuff over here. <laughs> that oh. was a good matchup. But like I did, oh. I liked this, what Will said. We had, I mean, being from St. Louis to be able to come home, play Mizzou in that game, it was, it was thrilling. You have all your fans, your friend, friends, and family there. Uh, it is a hassle getting a lot of tickets and trying to get as many as you can uh, without a lot of money in college. So you you got to figure that out, but. To be able to come home and play that play that game, I'm sure those kids at Mizzou are excited that are from here, from this area, to be able to have their family that may not be able to make that hour-and-a-half drive, that may not have the finances, can come you know, 15, 20 minutes away and really sit down and watch their, their family member particip- participate in that game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that tickle has to be something different, man. Uh, <laughs> man. Some of the guys on, 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 on the roster right now, and I think it was like Tuesday, they were just like, I don't have a hundred tickets. A hundred people ask for a ticket. I was like, I understand. Good luck. Hey, Will, Good tell, luck. tell us what you're doing now. You've got a, a fun business. Tell us what's going on with your, your business world right now. Yes, in the business world, I have a, uh, I, actually with some fellow Tigers of mine. Two of my best friends are Tigers uh, as well. Uh, we own a bar called Whiskey on Washington, downtown St. Louis. Uh, we are just now entering into our third year, so still building momentum and, and learning the business world of um, uh, the bar business. And it's going pretty good, man. I, 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 we're inspired uh, to find a second location, and that location will provide food. This location is just a bar only. Uh, so we're looking to grow into it as we continue to learn more and more about the business. That's awesome. And who are your partners? Uh, David Shanks and Arnold Britt. I love, I love it. Good. Well, we'll yeah. have to get there. And will you guys be open after the game tomorrow? 
Yes, we'll be open before and after the game. We'll be open tomorrow from 12 to 2 for a happy hour for Tigers, both Memphis and Missouri Tigers. And then we're <laughs> going to shut down to get to the tailgate area uh, so we can go over there and entertain over in the tailgate. Then right after the game, uh, the, game the ball will be open. Whiskey on Washington and Will Proprietor, or Will Franklin, one of the proprietors. Will, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for taking the time today here on 101 ESPN, and good luck tomorrow for your Tigers. Yeah, good luck to the the Missouri Tigers. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. See you later. That is uh, former Mizzou and former Vashon wide receiver Will Franklin. What a he was one of those guys that you watched in high school. And Kerry, you played with and against people like this, but he was just better than everybody mm-hmm. else. And all you had to do was drop back and let it fly. Yeah. And he was going to run under it and catch it for a touchdown. Give him a chance. I mean, you, you when you have guys that are that special that can go up and get the ball, you just throw it in their direction. And you, as a quarterback and as an offensive coordinator, trust that they're going to come down with it. Will was a fantastic football player, spent time in the NFL. I mean, did a great job at Mizzou, did a great job at Vashon. And he was the head coach of Vashon for a little while. He just re- Last year was his last year, but he did a fantastic job with those kids as well, just teaching them how to play the game the right way and and really help turn that football program around. Coming up, the Cardinals are in San Diego to open their final road trip of the season. They lost yesterday to the Brewers 6 to nothing, and Miles Michaelis has spawned some concern in this room. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. It is 9.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and it's great to have you with us. By the way, we're back on YouTube. We got kicked off YouTube. We sent them a, uh, Mike Ryder sent them a Twitter message. They responded. They said, oh, our bad, our mistake. And they put us back on like within an hour and a half or something like that. The Midwest, oh. oh. Yep. Oh. Oh. All we had to do was tweet them. Yeah. As it turns out. No so rhyme or reason for why we were off. No, still don't know. We were in, for 10 days. Impersonating somebody. Not a great <laughs> message. Not a great message to send to people, by the way. Like, oh, yeah, if you have a problem, just angry tweet us. That's the best, yeah. most efficient yeah. way to get things done in this world. Just angry tweet us. And we went through have you not channels. been in America? I, I, I thought we were better than this. We, we went through proper where? channels. Yeah, we filed, we filed an appeal. <laughs> appeal. Appeal rejected. And then we said, well, well we, our, our appeal was rejected. We'll just go to Twitter. And we did. And it worked. That's where you go to Apply solve all pressure. of your life problems, right? Well, I wish the Cardinals yeah. could do that. Uh, oh. uh, your St. Louis Cardinals have 67 wins and 86 losses, and they just can't go to Twitter and say, fix it, because there's not somebody out there to fix it. Especially, there, There's somebody out there that can fix it. Yeah, but not on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He's on Twitter? Oh, okay. Well, uh, good, point. <laughs> good point. Good point. That's debated. So okay. uh, yesterday, Miles Michaelis was representative through five innings, as a matter of fact. Through those five innings, he had four strikeouts. Miles Michaelis on mound, trying to pick up victory number eight. Yeah, that's the plan, making his 33rd start of this season. The thing you love the most about Miles Michaelis, man, this takes the ball, a guy takes the ball every fifth day. There's a strike, Monasterio is rung up. And the one two pitch is cut on and missed. Well, Michaelis, a good job to get a swing and a miss. There's a good two-strike result. Contreras flails away and is out number two, fourth strikeout. 
So four strikeouts, two runs allowed through five for Michaelis. He starts the sixth, Willie Adamas with a double, Rowdy Telez with a base hit, Monasterio with a base hit to score Adamas, and then Caratini with a homer to drive in three more and make it 6 nothing. And it all unraveled in a big hurry for Miles Michaelis. And, Brooke, you texted us. You said, should we be concerned about Miles Michaelis? And I think yes to an extent, but I also think that Miles Michaelis probably feels the same way about this season that we feel. And it's probably more of a, oh, I'm tired of this. And so he starts the sixth inning. Kind of looks like he's just lobbing the ball in there. Yeah. And allows the, the double and the hit and the home run. Uh, he just didn't look crisp once he got into the sixth inning. It was almost like, a, okay, I'm tired of this. I've done my job. And I don't necessarily like that. For mm. I have several reasons why. One, his last seven starts, he now has a 7.49 ERA during those that span of the seven starts. That doesn't give me a lot to be excited about. And I said this earlier, the reason that it is concerning to me is because who is a part of your starting rotation next season? Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz. Hopefully everything with his injury will be okay, but he's the one player that you know, one pitcher you know is going to be a part of that starting rotation. And this is not a season where I want to see anybody loafing it, but especially here down the stretch when you have so many question marks and with John Mosellock evaluating, kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together of what he needs to go out and get starting pitching-wise, if anything, what I've seen recently reinforces the fact that you can't just likely go out and get three starting pitchers. You need to go out and th- get three starting pitchers because I I would like to believe Miles Michaelis when he said recently that, you know, sometimes I have good years, I have bad years, you know, this is a bad year, bet on me for next year. I know he's joking around more with that, but what was the issue going into this season? There were so many question marks and hoping that guys would do certain things and that didn't pan out. And so from an evaluation standpoint, I would like to see the starting pitchers, including Miles Michaelis, CD, you mentioned earlier, it's a competition. To me, that competition is going on. It's going to continue on going into next season, but that's still continuing for the starting rotation just because of how disappointing they've been this season. And another reason why it's a little concerning to me is because when Adam Wainwright is gone and he is a leader in that clubhouse of voice, especially with the pitching staff. Miles Michaelis is going to be the leader moving forward. He already has a good rapport with the guys. And I think that if you are not only going to lead with your words, you have to lead by example. And if you show that you're kind of taking, you know, some games off or something like that, what does that message send to the rest of the pitching staff? Well, I, I would say I think it's a, a- a bit concerning that he's only got one win in his last 12 outings. That, yeah. that, that to me is mm-hmm. a bit concerning. We talked about, you know, he's not looking like his normal self. We know he's going to eat up innings. We know he's going to do that part of the game plan. But if you are – I can't go with the notion that he's just packing it in because they are terrible this season. Because, again, as a competitor – Anytime mm-hmm. you're out playing the game, it's being filmed, people are watching, you never want to put bad things on tape. You 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 are what you put on tape is what we used to say. And if this is your performance, no matter if you are down 10 in a game or if you're up 10 in a game or if you're 20 games back in the in the division, you still have a have an obligation to yourself and to your teammates to go out there and perform at your very best and not just say, "Ah, we're we're losing anyways. I'm going to pack it in." No, you you have to go out and perform. So to not show up in the manner in which he, he's been struggling lately, I think that's a bit troubling. Yeah, I think, well, this is a question I have for both of you guys. Which one do you think is better or worse, kind of to your point, CD, that it's more of an attitude thing and he's just like, oh, you know, the season's a wash anyways, or that there is something more going on there performance-wise? 
It could be very easily that the innings are just catching up with him. He threw 202 innings last year, 202 and a third. He's thrown 187 and a third this year, including, not including, the baseball classic, which were high leverage innings that he threw. And I know he only threw like six or eight innings in the, in the WBC, but they were they were high intensity innings. Perhaps the wear and tear of 2022 and 2023 is catching up with Miles Michaelis. Because it looked to me, and, and he had, I think he had 90 pitches 89 pitches through five. Gets to number 90 as he starts the sixth inning when things fell apart. Maybe that's his limitation at this stage of the season after all these innings. 90 pitches? Yeah. Right around that area? I, I mean, I hope we can we can get the, uh, you know, the the updated version of, of Miles Michaelis in 2024, the, the rejuvenated version of him. And if he is on one year, off one year, then 2024 should be his year. He should be good to go. But you, you have to, again, when you go into spring training – these guys have to be in competition for spots on this starting rotation, in this starting rotation, whether they're fighting for number one through five or if they're going to be in the bullpen. You have to uh, create an environment where guys are competing for that mm-hmm. spot. And I think this this year, the offseason, spring training, it was just guys were known where they were going to be. It was kind of solidified. You knew Jack Flaherty was going to be one. You knew that Jordan Montgomery would be. You knew Miles Michaelis and Wainwright would be. And you thought that Steven Matz would be. And, and so – you kind of went in and then you believed that Dakota Hudson was your sixth starter. I don't know if there was ever a point where in, in spring training where you really gave guys a look and say, hey, wait a minute, this guy can this guy can really play. He can pitch. He can do some things for us. I think you have to have that environment going into 2024. Otherwise, we will be in the same situation next year. I want to give you some amazing numbers here. These are the innings pitched leaders in the World Baseball Classic. Shohei Otani, injured. Lance Lynn, injured early, horrible start to the season. Marcus Stroman, injured. Jose Urias was injured before he had his legal issues. Uh, Adam Wainwright, injured. Uh, Patrick Sandoval of the Angels, injured. Uh, Luis Garcia of the Astros, injured. Uh, Jose Urquidy of the Astros, injured. I'm trying to find the first pitcher, Yu Darvish, injured, shut down for the rest of the season. Kyle Freeland, I guess, of Colorado is the guy, the, the first guy that pops up, and he was number 17 in innings pitched in the WBC. Mm. That is a, a high-level major league pitcher that didn't suffer a debilitating injury this year. Mm. I yeah. mean, maybe that is, does have... Yep. I mean, I do Michael's, I do Michael's believe... Be the one that yes, stands out. and I do believe that the World Baseball Classic is something that you have to take into consideration for this season, but overall, there was a lot of other factors with the Cardinals that led to what we saw this season, well, that, other it, than it, well, some well, of those injuries. Rodriguez. I, yes. <laughs> yes, Wilkie Rodriguez and Tyler O'Neill. Don't forget about uh-huh. that. And then if Palante didn't go play for, you know, Team Italy, then, I mean, it could have been so different. It would have been a completely different. And we would be talking about the playoffs right now. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> we're not. We would. No, we're not. So there's no. a, today's Fresh Take. Cardinals at San Diego tonight. You'll see the game with Chip Carey on Bally Sports. Chip is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He and the the, uh, the broadcast crew were going to meet up with the Channel 4 News team last night to try to pick out some new suits. So we'll talk about that. What, what color suit Chip not, got? Not this Channel 4, by the no, way. No, this Channel 4 News yes, team yes. with Champ and Brick. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron. Yeah. So we'll, we'll ask uh, Ron. And I, I think, like, yeah, so Chip would equate to our version. Like, he's Ron, right? Chip, yeah. Chip and Ron, the question is, who is of the Cardinal broadcasters? Who's Brick? 
No, you're not going to get us to say that. You're not going to get us to say that, Randy. I know what you're I'm, doing there. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> NFL news and notes coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's amazing. Already week three of the NFL season underway with an impressive, another impressive win for the 49ers last night. They played their first home game and took care of the New York football giants by a score of 30 to 12. And everything was clicking for the 49ers on in all three phases. Their special teams are great. Their offense is electrifying and they can do anything they want through the passing game or the running game. And their defense is fierce. They are for me, the absolute class of the NFC. Uh, I agree. I think the the Dallas Cowboys are a really good team as well. Uh, they had an injury. I know we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, just watching the 49ers, I don't see any holes in their team. They are fantastic in the skill positions at receiver, qu- uh, quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end. They have some of the elite players at that position. Defensively, they get after the quarterback. They make plays in the secondary. They are a really good well-coached football team and they do so I think the thing that is hardest to to really identify against the 49ers they can line Debo Samuel up in the backfield put Christian McCaffrey in the slot it changes what a defense is doing they have to look at things differently because you're not going to put a slot receiver a, a, a linebacker over in, in waiting on Debo to run out of the backfield, you're going to leave. It, it just changes what you're doing. They put Christian McCaffrey in the slot, let him run a five-yard yep. out and got a first down. Well, who's guarding him? Who's checking him? A linebacker. Because now where do you put the, the safety at? Where do you put the nickel corner? It's so confusing when you have so many guys. That's what the Rams were elite at. And that's mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey is the closest thing to Marshall yes. Falk since Marshall Falk. They were elite because they had all five eligible receivers. They could line up anywhere. And as a defense, you had to account for everyone and who you're going to double. Because if you single cover one of those guys, they're going to make a play. It's so many things that they have offensively, so many weapons that they have. They are a tough team to to get out on third down. And let's not dismiss how good they are at scouting coaches because they lost Robert Sala. He was their defensive coordinator. He goes to run the Jets. They lose their defensive coordinator this year, D'Amico Ryans. Mm -hmm. He goes to the Houston Texans. Yet their defense, and, and I get... Coach Stallings always used to say, got to have players making plays. You do, but you still have to coordinate those guys effectively, and they've continued to do that in San Francisco. Yeah, and they have been able to do that. Brock Purdy, I think, is just going to be such an interesting story to watch this season. It's like you were talking about, CD. So many playmakers around him, which I know that helps make things easy, but there's not many quarterbacks that could handle that much pressure. And he kind of got off to a clunky start, as it we saw in the Purdy. first half. It wasn't yeah. Purdy. There you go. It wasn't Purdy <laughs> in the first half. And there were some moments where you're like, oh, that could have been an interception. But he has so many playmakers around him. But the way he's able to, it seems like, settle in and navigate things with ease after that, I think, says a lot about Brock Purdy and his composure and the fact that he's only making a 870,000 mm-hmm. just I feel like that just flips that whole narrative that you see in the NFL of what you're able to find I mean he was Mr. Irrelevant and yeah. now he's very relevant right now Steve Wilkes the DC for yeah the, he'll get another head coaching job yeah he'll get another chance yeah well the other big story and you alluded to it um CD is Trayvon Diggs 
out with a torn ACL. That is the big story right now because the Cowboys defense has been very stout to this point. And so there's concern about what that will look like without Diggs moving forward. How do you see that playing out? I think a lot of people are looking at Bland to possibly kind of take over in that role. I know that he had five interceptions, I think, in the slot mm-hmm. last year. Does he move outside? Well, I like I said, I think if you are if you are the slot corner, it's a it's one of those positions where you're really good at that position. It is hard to be a slot corner because you're going up against a quick, shifty guy, a guy that is off the ball so you can't jam them. They can go in or out because they're in the slot. They're not uh, relegated to going inside, so you don't know where they're going. If you are a really good slot corner, I, I prefer to keep him there and, and figure out what we can do on the outside. And you got to understand, the other corner on the other side is not going to uh, see many passes either. So they are they are a really, really good football team. The other corner being Stephon Gilmore, mm-hmm. a former defensive player of the year. They are a, a good defense, not only because of what they do in the secondary, but what they do up front. They have been getting after the quarterback. Micah Parsons has been that guy who he, he, he's been in talks of maybe potentially being the MVP, not just let alone the defensive MVP so far this season. He is going to get after the quarterback, which makes your life so much easier in the secondary when that quarterback is not throwing passes on time, when he has to move in the pocket, when he has to throw passes on the run and he's constantly under pressure. It makes your life a little easier in the secondary. So I don't I don't know that I expect that much of drop off drop off. Trayvon Diggs was is a gambler. He, yeah. he takes risks, and so he gives up big plays. He he gets a lot of picks, but he also gives up a lot of big plays as well. Um, he got a got a. Uh, got a fumble for his fumble because he gave up a big play a couple of weeks ago. So it's going to happen. Um, but but the way that they get after the quarterback, I think they'll be fine in the secondary. Yeah, I just think obviously losing Diggs is terrible. I mean, it's huge news for a reason. But they have so much depth, especially at that safety position, too, where it feels like they should be fine. It just, I don't know. It, it felt like on social media, just seeing some of the Cowboy fans, it's like, oh, you see, something always happens. Always happens with the Cowboys. Good for them. Yeah, that's the way it goes. The Chiefs play the Bears this weekend. Matt Nagy, the former Bears head coach, back with Kansas City after getting whacked in Chicago. I'm intrigued by this game because Justin Fields made his points this week about how he felt like he was being used in a robotic fashion. I have a feeling that he's going to see things that Spags will put on the field, and Matt Nagy knows what Justin Fields' kryptonite will be. He Mm -hmm. coached him for a year. I wonder what kind of success, especially losing his left tackle, Justin Fields will have after the comments that he made this week. It's um this is frustrating and, and kind of strange for me. Just seeing what you thought was going to be uh, a maturation in his career last year, the the step forward that he took with the ability to run the ball and make some plays. You add DJ Moore, you assumed and you get you get Chase Claypool, who I, I, I'm sure they assumed was going to be better after having a full year, uh, a full offseason under his belt with them. They just aren't good offensively. And obviously you lost David Montgomery in the offseason. That maybe that plays a huge part mm-hmm. in their inability to to turn the hand around turn around and hand the ball off to a guy like David Montgomery. But they just aren't good offensively. And I don't know the rhyme or reason for it. I think you need to get Justin Fields back into some uh some some running game, some called quarterback runs, some power reads, some things where he can make a decision with his eyes and his legs and, and get the ball going forward. And then that will open up some of the things that they can do offensively. What did the Chiefs do after they lost to Tampa and Mahomes was just under duress for the whole game in the they got Super Bowl. Some offensive linemen. They got five new offensive yeah. linemen. There's some they really built good a ones. new offensive yeah. line. When's the last time we've seen the Bears do that? The Bears don't have I don't I n- never. never. I don't know. They have no rhyme or reason. This is the only franchise that I can think of 
that if you who who is the first quarterback that comes to mind when you think of the Bears? Jim McMahon? Yeah. He's yeah. The, probably the best quarterback. Sid Luck Cutler was there. Cutler, in terms of numbers, I mean, he's not going to win any Super Bowls. You're right. Jim McMahon is the guy. He's the guy yeah. you think of. Receiver, who's the guy you think of? Willie Galt. When did they play football, 1980s. Randy? 1980s. That, that's a problem. The league has changed yeah. so much, and the Bears haven't changed a bit. <laughs> no. That is the problem. When you think of... of you think of defenders, not linebackers. You're going to say Singletary, Erlocker. You're going to think of those mm-hmm. guys. But when you think of offense, Walter Payton is yeah. the first name that comes to mind for right. the Chicago Bears. Who has been anything since then? They've had some good guys, but not to that level. And so that's the problem. Offensively, they have not figured this thing out in 30, 40 years. And that goes back to ownership. The franchises that are bad are bad for a reason because it starts at the top. You look at the Arizona Cardinals, who I, I, I like Michael Bidwell. But he's not a good football owner. And you look at the Bears and you look at the Browns. I was going to say the Browns, the Haslam's, yes. You just look. And the common denominator among the consistently poor organizations is their ownership. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And I just wanted to touch on that, too. I thought it was great. Did you guys see the quote that Patrick Mahomes had yesterday about Fields where he just kind of reminded him? He was like, look, you're in the league for a reason. So I thought that was very nice Mm -hmm. for Patrick Mahomes to step up and say that. Just one last one, because I have to ask you this. How are you feeling about your Steelers going to this weekend, oh, facing good. the Raiders? Or will they be able to move the ball down the field a little bit? Well, hey, listen, <laughs> you know why I'm confident? Okay, <laughs> yes. We got a guy named uh, Alex Highsmith. We got a guy named TJ Watt. Minka Fitzpatrick hopefully is healthy. We're, we got some guys on the defensive side of the ball. They scored points on, on, on Monday night last yeah, week. They, they, they scored two touchdowns. Mm. I there think you go. the Steelers' offense may have only scored one. So if you got that defense, I, I, I'm good. I'm okay. Somebody had a rumor of Najee and a pick going to Indy for Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if that's any does anything. I don't know if it's Najee Harris is the problem. I don't think he is. I don't think so either. I, I no. think the problem is the inability to I told Randy the first game of the year they played the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. 49ers got a guy named uh, Fred Warner he's he's pretty good yeah, yeah pretty good so, so the, the the first run that the car, that the that the Steelers had in that game the, the the offensive line now I know football Randy I've been playing football I've been coaching football I've been watching football for a long time and when you <laughs> when you when you do your scouting report there's a there's a few numbers on that 49ers team that you circle and highlight. 54 is one of them. You know where this guy is at all times. This guy was unblocked. He's the Mike <laughs> damn linebacker on the defense. One of the best players on their defense, and they didn't block him, and he almost killed Najee Harris. Now, I don't think that that's a coaching thing. No. I think that that's a decision by the players not to block the Mike right. linebacker. And for me, that's problematic. And if you got Jonathan oh. Taylor, I don't give a damn who's running the ball if the offensive line doesn't know to block the Mike linebacker. And you got a young quarterback, right? And the first thing that he's supposed to do when he comes out of the huddle. 54 is the yes. mic. Yep. 54 is the mic. <laughs> right. Every yeah. single time. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. Oh, we know where he is, man. <laughs> and if you're a quarterback, if you're a quarterback, you know he can kill you. <laughs> hey, hey, block him. Block that guy. What are we doing? Apparently San Fran's doing something special. Did you guys see Nick Bosa get a free sprint at Daniel Jones yeah. last night? I mean, literally, he comes off the line carry, and it was like he was practicing his 10-yard splits in a 40-yard dash. I mean, fulls, fulls, nobody put a hand on him. It's like, he's Nick Bosa. He's one 
one of the most destructive players. Maybe no worries at on the field. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know where those guys are. Yep. Man, I mean, the Giants' <laughs> offensive line is in shambles as well. Yeah. They're just good. dropping all over the place. That's NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Oh, by the way, on Sunday we've got a triple header for you. The Jets are going to beat the Patriots starting at noon. Chiefs and Bears at 3:25, and then the Raiders will play the Steelers at 7:20. And I didn't mention this earlier. The Blues and Coyotes have a double header tomorrow. We're doing both games. We got a noon game, noon pregame, and a six o'clock pregame. We've got a hockey double header tomorrow. But I, I feel like hockey preseason, it just they don't like really put it out there. It sneaks up on you. Yeah. You're just like, oh, training camp and. Preseason yeah, already? Training camp one day, and then yeah, we went. The regular season start like two days later. They do not play around with yeah, that. So a doubleheader tomorrow here you on one You can bet on game. NHL preseason games, which is insane to me. Yeah. Uh, who does that? What's the line? I mean, who does oh, that? <laughs> Coming up, we're going to go to San, San Diego, and uh, Chip Carey is standing by to join us. And uh, Chip has had an eventful night last night. We're going to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Uh, it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's Brooke Grimsley. It's Kerry Davis. It's Randy Carricker. And we know that the Cardinals broadcast team, radio and TV, they go out for walks in all of the visiting cities. My sincere hope is that as our team goes for a walk today, that they don't get involved inadvertently in the inevitable fights that the broadcast teams <laughs> have in San Diego. Uh, I know the leader of our group, though, and a man who takes great care of his hair, Chip Carey, is, <laughs> is, is going to do great work. Good morning, Chip. How you doing? I'm doing great. I've not yet gotten out amongst the San Diegans yet. Uh, once I get my coffee and uh, chat with Ron with uh, Ron Burgundy, we'll go on a hot girl walk. <laughs> Chip, what is your favorite city to visit? San Diego has to be high on the list. It doesn't ever get too hot, too cold. It's just, it's almost perfect. Yeah, it's a pretty good place. Yeah, I love Petco Park. It's beautifully uh, designed. It's right in the middle of downtown. Obviously, uh, their team, like ours, hasn't had the year that they'd like to have, but they're going to have 40,000 people in the ballpark uh, for the next three days, and uh, we're going to have a chance to play the role of the spoiler. The Padres kind of have their backs up against the wall. They're not eliminated in playoff competition, so uh, they've got to go you know, 8-1, and 9-1, something like that over the last 9-10 games to have a shot to get in as a wild card, but uh, it's a great place right in the middle of downtown, beautiful uh, area right to, next to the ballpark, kind of like their uh, ballpark village, which is all part of the city, the gas lamp district. So a uh, great place to get out and meander around great history, get great military folks out here who come out and support the team. It's uh, truly a highlight of the year to come visit. Now I'm going to put you on the spot with this because I have to follow up with the anchorman comments. Now who's who, who's Ron Burgundy, who's champ oh. and who's brick chip. <laughs> that's, a, that's a no brainer. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> no doubt. No okay. Doubt. And then the rest. That's easy. That's easy. Uh, brick. Let's see. Brick. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Jimmy Ballgame. He's brick. And I'm going to say that Brad is champ. I would be the, of the three of us. That's how I'd go. <laughs> and then Alexa, I'm, uh, I assume, is brick. Oh, yes, yes. yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I really needed yeah. to know. I appreciate it. Well, <laughs> asking you some Cardinals questions now. Miles Michaelis obviously got roughed up in his last outing yesterday. And it's, in his last seven starts, he has a 7.49 ERA. Is there any concern or what is your concern? concern level with Miles Michaelis right now? 
this was just a year for him that just never got on the rails and stayed off except for a stretch of six or seven starts in the middle of the season. Uh, we talked about it a bit, Brooke, on the broadcast yesterday. Miles throws a lot of strikes, and he's around the plate a lot. We saw uh, what Milwaukee's hitters can do when a pitcher throws a lot of strikes. They foul those tough pitches off, and then if he makes that one mistake seven or eight pitches into the sequence, it gets hit, and it gets hit hard pretty uh, pretty often. So I think he's going to go into the offseason and uh, work on his repertoire, see if there's something he can tweak to get more swing and miss. He doesn't get a lot of that because, again, as I said, he's around the plate so much and the ball is put in play. Uh, but the Cardinals know he's a, an innings eater. They know he's going to be uh, a really critical piece to rebuilding this pitching staff next year. And hopefully without the WBC and without all of that and some offseason fine-tuning, he'll be back to the Miles Michaelis that was very very, very effective the last couple of years of rotation for the Cardinals. Chip, the number of injuries that have piled up against the Cardinals has been just absurd to me. What have you thought about all these injuries? Some of them from, you know, just happenstance, running, sliding into the bag and, and hurting your finger. What have you seen from this season and all the injuries that the Cardinals have had? Yeah, Kerry, it kind of sums up the way the year's gone, hasn't it? It's Richard Petty's hit the wall in turn four at Daytona. He's leaking oil as he tries to get to the finish line. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. When you think of the players the Cardinals were counting on to have big years, it just hasn't happened. Tyler O'Neill's been on the IL three times and played, uh, what, 72 games. Lars Newtbar has been hurt three times. Uh, we've lost Brandon Donovan, who's so critically important to this team. Now Nolan Gorman is out. Contreras is out. I mean, it's been one, one thing after another, especially here in the last couple of weeks, which only exacerbates the problem the Cardinals are having, which is uh, it's been a rough year, and we're playing good teams that are battling down the stretch in a very difficult part of the schedule. Uh, what do I make of it? It's just a circumstance. It's happenstance. It's freak of nature. But I think it reemphasizes the need for improved organizational depth, with, which I think Mo and the staff have tried to do at the deadline, and they'll try to continue to do this offseason. But, uh, you know, when you look at your roster and think, oh, it only takes 26 or 28 guys to get to the postseason or get to the end of the season, you're crazy. The Cardinals have used 51 different guys, and they'll probably have a couple of more of them. Uh, on the roster when we get uh, to the ballpark today to play San Diego. So it's been that kind of year for sure. Chip Carey with us on 101 ESPN. He'll be on the call tonight for the Cards and Padres from Petco Park on Bally Midwest. And Chip, with with all the injuries, the Cardinals had a two-month stretch about where they were top five in offense in Major League Baseball. They had about a two-month stretch before they lost their guys where they were very good in defense. They've never really been able to achieve that two-month stretch with pitching. But what aspect of this team that you've seen that had a good stretch this year, do you look forward to most for next year? Gone for half this season, it's noticeable. This guy is a gamer. He's a ball player. I think Tommy Edmund is a ball player. Newt Barr's uh, approach at the plate is noteworthy and good, and he's an excellent player, too. The growth of Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker uh, certainly has been noticeable. I think the two areas, obviously, the Cardinals have to improve. We've talked about it beating it to death, and everybody knows it pitching, both in the pen and in rotation. And secondly, the Cardinals have to be a lot better defensively. Uh, I think the shift is something that affected this team in the, in the first months of the season. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of range. They didn't uh, make plays that they needed to make. We've seen some of that in the last few days, too. Uh, but pitching and defense go hand in hand. If you want your pitching staff to be good, you got to catch the ball. you got to call it. you got to frame it. you got to steal strikes. Uh, and you have to make the plays that big league players are supposed to make. And all too often this year, that didn't happen, especially with the pitch-to-contact staff. So swinging this stuff, finishing off sequences uh, by getting chased from uh, opposing hitters, catching the ball and making the routine play consistently, those are all things that I think are really going to help catapult the Cardinals back to where we all expect them to be. 
Well, speaking of some of the injuries that we were talking about, it felt like it was especially critical for Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill to stay healthy so that the Cardinals could evaluate them and their plans for the offseason moving forward. How do you think that they will handle those two going to this offseason and approach them when they're trying to figure out things for next season? That's exactly right. Staying on the field is a skill set. It's unfortunate, but it's something that uh, you have to look at. The, the Braves uh, you know, had four guys at one point that had played every single game this year, and they were in their starting lineup every day. The Cardinals haven't really had that luxury uh, much this season. That makes it incredibly difficult for a front office to put together a roster and a manager to fill out a lineup card. Um, you know, you're right. I, I think the Cardinals don't really know what Dylan Carlson is. I think they have a really good idea of what Tyler O'Neill is. Unfortunately for Tyler, fairly or unfairly, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field for the last couple of years, and that's that's important. How do you how do you count on a guy and give him a long term deal if you don't know if he's going to stay healthy? And I think that's a challenge that every GM has, regardless of who the player is. And I think that's something the Cardinals are going to have to look at, not just with Tyler, but with all their guys as they project what this roster is going to look like, not just for 24, but for 25, 26, and 27 as well. Chip, through the wonder of the internet, I have discovered that at uh men's warehouse they have a calvin klein big and tall burgundy suit oh they make it tall and fat (laughs) oh man you just use that six five just say six five you 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 carry that weight whatever it is you carry it very very well as my my friends all say i'm just very short for my weight so i'm actually six six so i'm gonna work on that this off season i promise there we go hey we always appreciate you joining us and especially from the west coast you got up early for us and we can't thank you enough we will talk to you next week when the cardinals are back home have a great trip and a great walk this morning in san diego always a pleasure randy and who says i got up i may just be getting in (laughs) oh wow by the way point loma seafood will be the best shrimp salad that you ever had if you if you get to point loma seafood today or tomorrow sounds great i appreciate the recommendation appreciate you guys we'll see you next week all right my man take care okay that is the great chip carry joining us on 101 espn i love the fact that they're going to have uh that our news team is going to get together and by the way I was glad that he was the one that said Jimmy Ballgame. Well, that's why I wanted to leave it up to him to be able to to say that. So it wasn't on us. No, we no, want to make that very clear. It wasn't on us. We just asked the question and he answered. And it happened to be maybe what we would have answered. Loud noises! <laughs> great. Coming up next, we've got Rock and Roll and the Betting Slip on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Heading down the stretch of this edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio has rock and roll here on a Friday on 101 ESPN. And it's a Friday before a big weekend of college football, a slightly less big weekend of NFL football, and a big city game. Unfortunately, I do not have the lines here for the Blues games because we encourage you to get out there and have some fun betting, but we do not encourage degeneracy, and that is what betting on NHL preseason would be. That's what they do in the afternoon. Don't don't Don't. judge people. Uh, No. No, sometimes it, sometimes you need hey, to. If, if, you shouldn't uh, judge people. Sometimes you have to. Brad Thompson would absolutely bet on preseason hockey. That is some. Oh, that is some sick. But he admits, he's a de- he's, he admits he's a degenerate. 
You got to have some action. Action, action, action. Uh, you can get there uh, now. Carrie, it's sicko uh, stuff. Come on. Just be, I let's I just be honest. I, okay, thank you. I'm not betting on preseason. <laughs> this is my point. Because I don't and know. Can you it, imagine? It matter. You don't know who half the guys are or what they're going to do. or or. In like preseason football, fine. They get like two or three weeks of practice for week one. These guys have been on the ice for three days. It wouldn't matter. Well, they, they all come in early anyway. I still, so though, they're... man, that's just, that is such a small, short but margin. I oh, my God. I poke fun at anybody that. Wants to right, bet fine. a few dollars. All right, fine. Yeah. Let's dive into our Saturday bets with some big college football ones. After a week last week where there was really only like one uh, ranked matchup, we have just a ton of them today. We're not going to get to all of them, but right off the bat, we're going to get to the big one, and that is Colorado versus Oregon. They are in Eugene, and it is a 21-point spread for the Buffaloes wow. right now. Oh, for the Buffaloes? Uh, yeah, 20, really? they're plus 21 right now, Colorado. I mean, they're ranked 19th. Oregon's ranked 20. Oregon ranked 10, so it's plus 21. Oh, they have to cover 21, sorry. Oregon's the favorite. Yes, yes. Oregon's the favorite, sorry. I'm uh, plus, take, tw- I, plus 21 I, for Colorado. I'd take Colorado to cover. I would, too. Yeah. Uh, I'd take Colorado. Colorado. Ooh. I don't think they'll win. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Be close. I think it's going to be... There's this thing about confidence, man. When this Colorado team has so much confidence in what they're doing right now, they are, they are feeling like they can run through a wall. Now, Travis Hunter not being there, I think, impacts them more defensively than offensively, so... Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. I didn't write down the outright number there because I didn't think anybody would want it, but let me grab it right here for you, Randy, so that people know what we're dealing with. Outright right now for an Oregon win or for a uh, Colorado win over Oregon, you can get plus 680 oh, on yeah. the Buffaloes right now. I'm plus going 680. Over to Illinois in a few minutes. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> All right, we're, we're just going to take Colorado, though, with the points because why not make it a little bit easier? Here's another close one Ohio State and Notre Dame. Ohio State's getting three points, only has to cover three points right now. Minus three for Ohio State, plus three for Notre Dame. I personally think that's a nice, solid 10 to 12 point victory for, for Ohio, Ohio State. State. I, I think that's an easy one yeah. on minus three there. Right, these down Colorado. What do you think? Ohio State. You're going gonna Ohio. go with the Golden Domers? Really? really? They, okay, here's the thing. This is just so many instances of Notre Dame being fraudulent over the last 10 years in college football. And I just I hedge towards fraudulent. I, I head towards that happening with Notre Dame almost every time when they have a big matchup. And it's early this year and we haven't seen them against a good team yet. Thing is. And I know that Ohio State does an amazing job of recruiting. But think of all the guys that Ohio State lost. Now, they do have Marvin Harrison still. But they have a different look offensive line. They have a a new quarterback. Uh, Their defense lost some key performers. They're still great. They're always going to be great. But I think if ever you were going to pick a time for Notre Dame to pull the upset, this would be it. I don't know. With Ohio State, at, Marvin no, Harrison. Dame, are they at yes. Ohio State? Where are they playing? It's, a, it's, it's in uh, uh, South Bend. Yeah, it was, it's at Notre Dame. I still take Ohio State. I agree. I think, I think Ohio State yeah. is just, they, they, they're the better team. James Laurinaitis left Notre Dame to go to Ohio State. Hmm. Okay. Done that staff now. And then here's okay. the here's the last of our, um, I, I, by the way, I just, you, you brought that up. I always loved, my favorite thing in college football history might still be A.J. Hawks parents during when he was there having a half Ohio State half Notre Dame jersey oh yeah because his sister because his sister went to Notre Dame I, mm-hmm. I always I always love that part but our last college football game on the slate Iowa number 24th ranked facing off against Penn State Iowa's getting 14 and a half points anytime I get a big 10 matchup with a 14 and a half point spread I got to be looking at it one way or another I just I'm not saying oh Iowa wins this one I'm just saying I'd be shocked Where if they it? lose by two full touchdowns it is in Happy Valley I think I would take Penn State to cover in this one. I don't think that, that Iowa can score with Penn State. 
Oh, Iowa has never been a, a heavy scoring team. No, they have not. Mm-hmm. But they also don't they get, get you 12, 13 points. I don't know. 14 points does feel like a lot. I, I may go Ohio State, Iowa covering in this one. Okay. All right. And then let's go over wait, wait, to. Brooke, what are you thinking here? Let's I, Iowa. I, yeah, I don't think Iowa is going to score. Big 12. Keep it Thank you. 10? Big what 10. about ten? Okay, ten points. Well, yeah. Do you do you like a, a, an over under on the forty and a half better than a fourteen and a half spread? For, I'm going over for, for that uh, game for Iowa yeah. and Penn State. Wow. I'm going under. I think under too. <laughs> Thirty to <laughs> Iowa's seven. Yeah. See, I, I'm thinking. You said forty and a half. Forty and a half. Thirty to ten, and you just make it under. See, I, I'm, I'm. I was thinking like thirty-one fourteen. That's why I was, so, I was going to say it's 27 close, to 10 is so what good. I was going to say. They know what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, 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 just, let's 31, leave that one off. 31, I always 10. bet the over. Betting the under is nervous, nerve-wracking, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I always bet the over. Fine. You know what? We'll, we'll scrap that one because we're, we're a little, we're, there's a little discrepancy here. Can I get you guys for our third college football bet? Sure. Over under, over 52 and a half for number 22 UCLA versus number 11 Utah State. Way over. Or Utah. Over under 52 and a half for two big tw- uh, Pac-12 teams. Chip UCLA. Kelly's team puts up 42 go, themselves. I'm going to say over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's yeah. feeling the over 52 and a half there. So there's our third college football that. bet. And let's yes. clear out our betting slip for Saturday. And that is with the City game. They are facing off against Minnesota United draw. FC. The draw and the win for St. Louis are the same odds. You get plus 280 on either one of them. I'm feeling they get out of the dra- the rut of draws, Randy. I'm feeling a win for St. Louis. I'm City. feeling a win too. I you can't do another draw, right? What I, are you doing, Rob? I'm feeling a win. That's okay, what he said. Well, then we're going to win. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, yeah. You know you, what? You spoke it into existence. Remember that on Monday. All right, fair he enough. Like Power that, of the secret. Though. All they do is win, win, win. All right, no matter I, what. And I need to get this college football bet on, or, or NFL bet on here. Chargers at Vikings. They are plus one and a half. Vikings are favored minus one and a half. Vikings. All day long, right? Vikings. They're home. The Chargers are bad. They're Vikings. not looking solid. It's only a point and a half spread. It's Vikings all day long. Yep. By the way, if you can, you can get a minus one and a uh, minus one hundred five with that spread, I say screw it. Take the minus one ten on the on the money line. Vikings. Vikings all day, all day long. I always wonder about, and especially a poorly coached West Coast team that has to get up at five in the morning their time to get on a bus and start a game at ten a.m. their time. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to do for yeah, an athlete. It is. What schedule is is everything? Yeah, one yeah. final one because I think this is also a really good number. Broncos are in Miami, and they and the Dolphins only have to cover six and a half. They do. Ooh. Absolutely right. Yes, yes. That's a touchdown victory easy for the Dolphins over the Broncos. Yes. We just saw what Sam Howell was able to do yeah. with that Broncos mm-hmm. secondary. You're telling me Tua and, and gang can't do that? Yeah. Yes. yes. All right, so there it is. Colorado plus 21. over The over 52.5 on UCLA, Utah. We're going to go with Ohio State uh, getting three points in Notre Dame. City win plus 280. And then we're going to take the Vikings outright over the Chargers and the Dolphins minus 6.5 over the Broncos. I love that for the betting. So we're going to win some money this weekend. Let's win some money. Hey, don't forget uh, Blues and Brews tonight (laughs) over at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery, and uh, we'll try to stop by. Carrie's got a game tonight, so uh, go Hawks. Hawks. You still can't come stop by, Carrie? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What what if if you're up by, like, six touchdowns at halftime? Can you just check out? That's disrespectful. That's that's probably worse than not showing up at all. (laughs) (laughs) Great job by our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, this is fun. Have a great weekend. Yes. How about that? How about that? How about I will that? be at Blues and Bruce. All right. Uh, CD, good luck tonight. Yeah.
face. We want to see your face. You know who Parkway North's you know Park biggest rival is? Who? Parkway Central. Okay. Kill him. All righty. Because <laughs> you said it. Yep. All right. Let's do it. Just tell the kids beforehand. <laughs> hey, do it for my co-host. I got you. Randy <laughs> Carragher said, let's do this. It's done. <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Thanks for rejoining us on YouTube. We are back, baby. We are back. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up, and then... BKM Ferrario out at the Centene Ice Center with their show from 11 to 2, and all of us will be on YouTube all day long and for the rest of eternity, apparently. For all of us until until, uh, Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.